0: your big Hollywood sunglasses, and light the torch, because it's cellar time. Welcome to the Crack Cellar, as the prophecy was foretold. I'm Two-Spirit Penguin Daniel.
1: And I am the Father, the Holy Spirit, Broadcaster Nichols.
0: And today, we talk about the spirit of Satan, a.k.a. Microsoft, acquiring Beth Seta software. Broadcaster Nichols, do you play a single game made by that company? (laughs) That is an outlandish statement.
1: My lawyers are on the phone with Bethesda as we speak. The last game I played that I seriously liked by them, I think, was... Fallout three hmm. new Vegas was really good, but I just never really had the time to play it too much, but everyone that did play it. said it was, it was amazing. So I'm sure I would have liked that one too, but I got, then I got my hands on fallout four and I was like, yeah, it was what it was. It was man. And then 76 was just such a shit show. I didn't even have to touch it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think many people touch that one. And the people that did touch it, they are the ones that felt touched in the end. But the viewers out there
1: might be saying, wow, broadcaster, you're leaving out quite the glaring omission. And uh, uh, I will respond to that. I don't like Skyrim. I don't like Elder Scrolls that much for that matter. And uh, the fact that anyone even wants to use Skyrim in an argument at this point is just sad because how many times have they remastered that game and imported it <laughs> and not
0: giving you a new engine with any new game at all? Yeah, it's funny. Whenever Skyrim comes up, I always instantly that Todd Howard meme just pops into my head. <laughs> with him this is are grifters man this is tom howard after releasing the 19th remaster
1: everyone says like ea are like evil villains of the video game industry which they are but i don't know man when you look at it objectively i think bethesda gets the award because they have literally mastered the art of milking their shit yeah like mastered it. Like EA is probably envious on what Bethesda has gotten away with.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I almost thought Bethesda was already an internal Microsoft studio just because I identify their games so closely to Xbox.
1: Yeah. I think most layman video gamers probably would think the same thing too, you know, just because, it, I mean, for me at least, if when I think of Bethesda, I think Fallout and the biggest mm. fallout to me is fallout three and what was i playing fallout three on In xbox mm-hmm. i don't yeah. think in fact i'm pretty sure fallout 3 didn't come to ps3 uh initially it was a timed exclusive on xbox 360 so
0: mm. yeah i, I might be
1: mistaken about that but i I'm, i i wanted to
0: think that's that's the truth didn't morrowind originally come out on xbox 360 as well I think that all their games start on Xbox or PC. I don't think any of them. Morrowind. They've never had no. a Sony exclusive Oblivion. For sure. I
1: think Oblivion was on 360 and PS3, but Morrowind was, I think, exclusively on Xbox, wasn't it?
0: Something like that. I remember yeah. early on, it just it seemed like they were a Microsoft studio based off of maybe PC what was going early on, but yeah. Like, I've never been a fan of Beth- Bethesda. Uh, I don't like Dishonored. I don't like Elder Scrolls. I don't like Fallout. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know what else they make, but I guarantee I'm not a player of whatever it is. And uh, the only thing that really complicates this for me is Doom. Because Bethesda owns ID, I think, right?
1: ZeniMax owns it Yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. So the comp the same company that oh, exactly. So they bought they bought uh, Doom as well as all this other crap. So I like Doom and I would love to continue playing Doom and now that Microsoft owns it, I wonder what's going to happen with Doom. If they're going to do some timed exclusivity, if they're going to develop I hope it. they don't. To be Xbox honest. first, and then PC is an afterthought. Like the Vulcan API support that came in the original 2016 Doom reboot was half of the genius of the game, and yeah. that was only because it was PC first. That's the only reason we got that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit more optimistic about. It. For one, I think the era is kind. Of, I think this generation of consoles, the mindset of development with PC is changed. I think everyone kind of has a PC first mindset if it's ever going to be on the pc to begin with because hmm. you're seeing that especially with microsoft and now you're kind of seeing it with my, uh, sony with statements like we're going to make all of our exclusives uh pc available too which makes me think that the new standard is going to be yeah there's going to be console exclusives but you also can get them on pc but you'll never see them on the other console. At least, maybe whether that's a timed exclusive or just a genuine exclusive. And to further that point, go to Microsoft a little bit. I've always been disappointed with Microsoft as a console company for quite some time, just because they're the American company and I want, you know, America to put up a good fight in this, in this war. But it just seems like Microsoft failed generation after generation for me. And to see them finally, you know, pull this move, acquiring Bethesda and have some genuine fucking IP under their belt, other than just halo for fucking Christ's sake. It makes, it, I, I, I think it is a good thing. That's, that's all mm-hmm. I'm saying. Like if I, if they can put out another top quality doom with a, fucking badass soundtrack they need to work out whatever that fallout with rick uh uh what's that guy's name the aussie that made the the soundtrack it's rick something i'm pretty sure but anyways then you work it out with him and they need to pump out a third badass doom and if that was exclusive on xbox i'm all for it because that makes the xbox good Mm. And and if they put it on the PC, like I said earlier, I don't think there's such a thing as a true console exclusive anymore. I think there's just going to be, it's only available on this console and PC type thing.
0: I hope you're right. But uh, the thing I see right now is the opposite with these consoles because they are now budget computers. So it's no longer like a Super Nintendo versus a Pentium One 166 megahertz computer with 16 megabytes of RAM and a 56K modem. That's not what we're dealing with anymore. We're dealing with two identical machines, one with a stronger video card than the other. And sure. when you're talking about these consoles, and Nintendo's not included. Obviously, Nintendo still does true consoles. And they're a totally different animal, totally different catalog of games. So I'm not not even including them in the conversation, but when we're talking about Sony and we're talking about Microsoft, they know that they are just budget PCs. And if you are just a budget PC and the entire world is on fire right now about the GTX 3080 and everyone and their fucking uncle is building a gaming computer, you have to be thinking about, number one, how how am I going to get people to buy my budget PC when they already have a better PC? How do you do that? Quite simple. Exclusives. True exclusives. And I think both of these guys, Microsoft and Sony, are both starting to realize that. And while I think the Xbox One and the PS4 era was very friendly to PC in terms of them sending their games our way, I think the pendulum's shifting right back the other direction. I think they're realizing it was a mistake and that it's giving up market share. And we'll see what happens, but... I think we're going to have more true exclusives next gen than we did this gen.
1: I don't know, man. I mean, that's completely counter to what Microsoft is openly doing. And Sony, I mean, made the statement. I mean, it's an official statement. They're putting, they're porting almost all their huge exclusives from the PS4 era over to PC as we speak. They're in Those the are old doing games. It. So
0: we're talking, but,
1: new. but, but, but in the statement, they said this is they in their i don't know if it's a translation thing but in that statement they pretty much alluded to the idea that this is a change of mindset for sony going forward that exclusives are going to be shared on pc more often now i so, think they're
0: going to be shared when they're old
1: i don't know we might i think we're already going to get uh the demon souls remaster
0: you think the Demon Souls Remaster is coming out on PC uh yeah. like immediately?
1: Hm. Uh maybe not. I don't know about immediately. Again, these are come this is where the exclusive thing stays alive. I think there's going to be like timed releases still and just keep away from the competitor console.
0: Well, when and I'm that, saying timed release, yeah. I'm thinking generation. So like if uh, let's no say one a likes generation, that. you get, you get a lot of
1: flack for that. No I don't like that anymore people don't get a know, lot man. of shit just for exclusivity period people call it uh industry killing when you hoard a game on a console or whatever period
0: yeah it is but it sells consoles when when you happen to strike it rich with the game say you happen to get ff7 yep for sure in 1998 i'm, I'm absolutely then you are buying a fucking ps1 aren't you <laughs> Well, yeah, it plays
1: hand in hand with what you said earlier. Like, I mean, I disagree a little bit, but what you said is pretty much 99% true. They're budget consoles. They're very similar. They're 99% the same. I mean, maybe you could argue that they're different, but at the, at, at the end of the fucking journey, they do the exact same thing, right? It's like, so why have competitors? Give, I mean, you got to let them have exclusives. Why even fucking have the market? If you're not going to have a console that has something special to offer you. And yeah. if we're talking video game consoles, what what is more special than the video game?
0: Exactly. <laughs>
1: you, think, you think your user interface is going to be so dope that people are just going to be like, I'm going to be on Xbox forever. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong, though. Xbox, you know, with Game Pass, it's changing it up.
0: Yeah, Microsoft's definitely on the the upswing, and I feel like Sony is teetering on a downswing, but not quite there yeah. yet. But it feels like it's on the verge, like when you can smell rain in the air before a storm.
1: Yeah, I look at this upcoming generation with Microsoft and Sony as Sony being this titan that already knows he's about to win the fight, but he knows like as like this old man, like this is the last fight he's going to win with this tiny kid. You know, one day he's going to be an adult. He's just going to whoop his ass. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I feel like that's what's that's what's coming up here. I used to think that was Nintendo, but Nintendo is just like Master Roshi <laughs> like, <laughs> on the island over there, just doing his own thing. <laughs>
0: well, uh, I think overall, not really too concerned about the move. Don't really think it's that big of a deal because in my head they were already a microsoft studio to begin with so it's just kind of like yeah doesn't really funny. change much in my head it's kind of weird
1: it does change a lot for microsoft though there's a lot of exclusivity went with that deal
0: yeah yeah it seems like it's a a chess move for sure that they're you know they're getting their bishop positioned to take out the queen but uh yeah. we will see
1: got them servers you got the the
0: ips who knows what next generation holds well and their hardware is already confirmed to be superior than the ps5s which is quite an interesting shift compared to the previous generation which was the literal opposite in terms (laughs) of power so uh yeah uh is it, is it really more powerful than the PS5? Yeah, I think like I they were the, the specs same, I right? saw No, no. The specs I saw was like anywhere from 15 to 35% performance increase on the Xbox compared to the the PlayStation. Wow! Don't they yeah. have the exact same GPU? They have this. They have, they have like the same brand GPU, and like I think the they overall... have RDNA two. They got the
1: exclusive variants of RDNA two in them.
0: <laughs> but uh, the, the Xbox version's better. It's like the difference between a thirty eighty and a thirty ninety. Xbox got the thirty ninety.
1: That's crazy. Yeah,
0: It is crazy. I don't understand it. I don't know if they made a deal with AMD, but if they did, then why oh. would Sony keep the deal with AMD? if they like, The whole doesn't, thing is
1: weird. Doesn't Sony have some fancy pants SSD cache
0: technology they're trying to tout? I think both of them have that, the, their own version of it that they're trying to tout. That's hmm. like the big... Oh, this is the new feature of this generation of consoles. SSDs, and all the PC people are like, "Oh, cool!" Twenty eleven was a good, a good year. Man, if there's a, if there's
1: one thing that's ever been apparent with console games is loading. Mm-hmm. So if they can drive up the SSD usage in consoles, I'm for it. Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> no new, more <laughs>
0: Yeah, this new generation of consoles to console only people that don't play PCs they're going to feel like a magical leap forward compared to the last gen. And it's kind of comical if you're a PC yeah. person looking at it, just like you have no I've never,
1: I've never had an SSD in a console. Can you even put an SSD currently in a PS4? You Is can. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Okay.
0: I thought about it, but I was like, eh, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and wait that one out. Cause I don't play my consoles enough to justify it. Yeah. Well, Broadcaster Nichols, on that note, are you ready to get to a exclusive of Sony in our preview of FF-16? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> What's that? You want more Crack Seller? <laughs> this is good. Join your lords on Twitter at The Crack Seller and Facebook.com slash The
0: hey you over there are you a straight-up chad or a strong woman well you can find us on apple Podcasts on your favorite podcasting app or if you're a straight-up beta cuck find us on youtube with the rest of the cloud chasers and we're back with our preview of final fantasy 16 Broadcaster Nichols, the time has come. Once again, we are greeted with a perennial video game that you pray won't disappoint you. Hold on,
1: cut, cut, cut. Two-Spirit Penguin. (laughs) A regular, traditional Final Fantasy intro would be, Our Mother Crystal has called out (laughs) to us once again. (laughs) All right.
0: so, from the beginning, you will worship her. <laughs> yeah, and that's the first thing that stands out when you watch the trailer. It's the return of the crystals. We're back to square one with Final Fantasy. We're, we're in a I medieval wonder setting. I where they got that idea from. <laughs> <laughs> we're in a medieval setting for the first time since the PS2, which is batshit crazy to me that we haven't had a mainline Final Fantasy in a medieval setting since the ps2 how It's not true. I mean Final Fantasy
1: 14 is is that. Or are you just talking about number like traditional fantasy? First
0: of all, first of all, Final Fantasy 14 is not medieval. It's not but,
1: medieval, but it's like, you know, fantasy, Oh dude, traditional they, type fantasy-esque type,
0: you know. There's lots of technology in Final Fantasy 14, but also sure. it's an MMORPG, so I wasn't yeah. counting that. But you wouldn't compare it to like
1: Final Fantasy 10, you know, completely different aesthetic, you know, like I always think about like the traditional Final Fantasies is like these weird pocket like stories. Well, at least anything post six, like seven and above.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. We're, we're back kind of where we began with Final Fantasy. They've gotten rid of the, the futuristic bright, techno rpg vibes that we've been getting for so long and we're just we're back to like game of thrones style like old school kings and castles and i love it i'm glad i was i didn't even realize it till i watched the trailer but i was like you know what i am sick of little bubble futuristic cities and blitzball and fucking uh (sighs) Lightning riding Don't you trains. bring up Blitzball.
1: We got it one time, all right? And it was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> How dare you spit upon its name.
0: <laughs> but uh, one thing you might have noticed in this trailer, if you are an FF14 player, as you just mentioned, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that the summons are reused assets from FF14. Ifrit, Phoenix, Shiva, all three of those are straight out of FF fourteen with almost no alterations. You also didn't notice, uh, not the main main
1: character. Well, we don't know who the main character is, but one of the main characters in this in the movie clip or the trailer, that black haired guy with the tattoo on his face, yeah. doesn't he oddly look like the stock hero of light mm-hmm. <laughs> from fourteen? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well, they call him they call him the warrior of darkness now, but yeah. He oh yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Where's the I was main- <laughs> trying
1: to keep it down, you know, <laughs> on the
0: DL. <laughs> but uh yeah, you are right and I do believe he is the main character. I get that impression because when, yeah. when you see every battle every battle in this trailer it's interesting. It's the same character. It's only one character. If if you were to really not know this was a Final Fantasy game and you just looked at it blind, you might think this is like a Dark Soulsy type game because yeah, it sure. looks it looks very actiony. You're it's always one character going up against one boss-looking thing. It it's interesting, man. I, I, clearly, this is the FF15 engine that we're dealing with here. You can just feel it, and even in the trailer, you think so? Yeah, it is. It doesn't I can tell. look like it though. I think they've upgraded it significantly, and they've changed they the graphics it? so much that it just kind of throws you off because you're. See, used- I
1: thought the graphics looked worse.
0: Mm, I don't think so. then
1: fifty compared to fifteen?
0: Oh, I don't think so. No. Wow. Maybe it's just like a. That was the
1: first thing I noticed. A I preference like, of
0: the eye thing because it's they're yeah. two so different art styles. So maybe it's yeah, just something I, with that.
1: I just thought like pixel wise, I was like this. I almost thought it was good. I honestly, when I first saw it, I thought it was an expansion to Final Fantasy fourteen. When I <laughs> fir- when I first saw it, I was like, oh, are they? Relaunching 14 on the consoles on PS5, and this is going to be a huge expansion push or something, yeah. and then it turned into 16. And, <laughs> and but the uh, fun, yeah, the, the funny thing about it is though is that no matter what, you get strong 14 vibes from 16 in the art style. Well, not in, not exactly in the art style, but just the characters, <laughs> the summons, and. The fact that it's not a techno Final Fantasy, yeah. you know, it's not it's not Final Fantasy four or sorry, 15.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this this is what I'll say uh, before I, we move on to what you're talking about, which I agree with you. And the battle system, the reason that I can tell this is the FF 15 engine is quite simple You can clearly see in these battles him using the King's Glaive teleport shit. It has a new graphics effect on it, but he's doing it, and it looks the exact same, and it performs the exact same. Hmm. There's no way that they did a new engine and then built that shit right back into the new engine, perfectly emulating the old one. I don't buy that.
1: Well, it could be a a brought over mechanic. They might believe in it. it was one of the cool things about final fantasy 15. I mean, well, that's it's the possible. Thing. They just didn't want to leave it hanging on the, on the vine.
0: You, know? you don't build a new engine just to put your old engine into the new engine. And that's what that would be doing. Yeah. It
1: just really worries me though. I don't want to believe it's the same engine or at least it's not. It's drastically overhauled version of the, of the engine because 15's limitations were just so glaring. And it really, ultimately, was off-putting for me. Yeah, you know.
0: Well, they they might have figured out how to make it work because I didn't. I thought that the battle system was okay, but it just kind of wasn't executed well in FF15. So far, what I'm seeing in FF16 is interesting because, first of all, it looks like all the bo- all the things that we're seeing are boss fights. I don't know if that was intentional, and they're just leaving out the trash fights. Or if perhaps there are only boss fights in this game and that the other trash encounters are done differently, maybe with a different type of system. And that like Mm. what we are seeing is like an exclusive boss fight mode. Also, there were no party members. Like I said, it's just one guy, the main character in all of these fights. And we saw like five different boss fights in this trailer and every single one did not include a party member.
1: Well, we saw what we would normally perceive as boss fights in Final Fantasy. Again, right. going back to your Dark Souls idea, like any fight in a Dark Souls lens towards Final Fantasy would make fights all look like boss fights. <laughs>
0: true. <laughs> true. Know, so it's intriguing, though. Perhaps this no party member thing is one of the ways they get the FF15 battle system to work better because I always thought. That the party members were hokey in FF15,
1: they were definitely they were. Yeah, so well, like eliminating them,
0: yeah, limiting them might actually be one of the things that sets the system free, so to speak. So, we'll see. Uh, it just it's something to note because it, while it looks close to FF15 in in fundamental ways, the way it presents that is way different based in this trailer. Yeah, I don't know. I
1: I, I immediately got like post or sorry pre Final Fantasy 13 vibes from this game. That's what I got. Like as soon as I saw the graphics and I saw the storyline and I saw that it was actually a numbered Final Fantasy that was going to be on the consoles, I immediately was like, whoa, my the, the butterflies in my stomach started going off and I was like, this feels like a Final Fantasy that mm-hmm. I'd be told I'd be told about before I ever knew about FF 13. Yeah. You know, before I thought the the fate of this the franchise was doomed (laughs) yes
0: and it feels very much in line with the evilest yeah it feels like 12 almost
1: doesn't it It like almost have 12 or final
0: fantasy tactics yeah like it feels like that sort of final fantasy which is interesting because that's not what they've been lately and it makes you wonder if there was a power struggle at square
1: i think there definitely was a, a shake up at square dude they were just squandering this the franchise.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was so bad. Like after thirteen, I I remember so long ago, man, when Final Fantasy thirteen came out, and I was like, Man, this just feels weird, you know? This it's like like someone just took over over there, you know? Mm-hmm. And then what did we get right after that? The first direct sequel you know well technically Ten Two was the first direct sequel but like everyone knows that I was kind of like a prototype to one of the best final fantasies ever final mm-hmm. fantasy 13 was not well received and then they were like guess what the next final fantasy is a direct sequel to 13 <laughs> and no one was happy and then i like, guess what the next final fantasy after that is it's a three-parter
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah. oh yeah
0: yeah it's just it makes sense why they wanted to do it. It saves them so much money. You have no idea how many assets they reused in the, that trilogy. Did you play all three of the FF13 games? God, no. Okay, I did. And
1: I only played the last, the third one.
0: Dude, the second one was actually way better than the third one. <laughs> the third <laughs> one was really bad. The second <laughs> one had like some Chrono Trigger vibes to it, but... Like 90% And I'm not exaggerating 90% of the graphics assets Were reused from the original FF13 oh, In sure. FF13 too. It was It might as well just been an expansion pack
1: Listen We all can agree That our souls Never died more Than on that fateful night Than we went returned to the Thunder Plains In X2 And put on a concert for the people.
0: (laughs) FF10 had some really killer music. Yeah.
1: I think 10 and 7, and I'd say, man, 3, 4, 6, 7, 10, something. Was special about those ones I just mentioned. Those are like the big ones out there for me. Every time I think of Final Fantasy, I think of those ones. Their worlds were just so much more than any of the others.
0: Yeah. You can find someone that thinks every Final Fantasy is the best Final Fantasy. I've met some fools that say Mystic Quest is the best Final Fantasy. (laughs) I've met these people, they exist. (laughs) Those people are trolls, and
1: they're just trying to get something out of you, bro. No one out there is defending genuinely defending
0: Mystic Quest. Oh, dude, they do, man. I know their arguments. <laughs> and guess what? One of their arguments is that the music. They think that my the music wife left me in ninety 90- and eighty five, and Mystic Quest saved me. <laughs> is that their argument? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm not a fan of Mystic Quest, but. It's just uh, Final Fantasy is one of those series where almost every single title, someone will give you a good argument why it's the best out of the 25 that exist. And they're pretty, how many franchises can say that? Very few. Most franchises have quite a few stinkers that nobody likes. Oh, for sure. And way less titles to pick from. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's the other part. anyone <laughs> wants to talk about <laughs> Final Fantasy. You know, shit talking aside, is a probably the most consistent franchise in gaming history.
0: Hmm. I, I mean, if you really that. think about it, yeah. if you
1: look at sheer volume, you know, because we're if you don't consider spinoffs
0: or sports games,
1: <laughs> yeah, we're, we're we're up to sixteen Final Fantasies. And how many could you genuinely say of those 16 are just avoid them at all costs? <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I don't think of any ones. of them really, yep, I, some of them are, them are bad. Don't get me wrong. They're not good. But <laughs> it's like, would you avoid them at all costs? No, there's, I'd tell you to play those over a lot more other RPGs. <laughs> I can think of. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. Uh, we, we were talking earlier about the uh FF14 assets being reused in FF16. I have heard credible rumors that uh, one Yoshi P is the shadow director of FF16 and that my he God. has amazing influence on this title. And that's is- on, I'm
1: looking for my big Hollywood sunglasses. <laughs>
0: and that, and and that is one of the reasons why we're seeing these really close parallels to FF14 so early on like you you identified the the main character really quick i identified the summons instantly if you go over the trailer more i'm sure there are other breadcrumbs that you'll probably find one thing i noticed and i think you probably subliminally noticed it but didn't quite want to put a finger on it because you were so focused on the main character I think the art style, period, is straight up yep. FF14. Yep. They For show sure. all these characters. They show close-ups on their faces and moving their lips, dialogue, all that stuff. I've, dude, I have played thousands of hours of Final Fantasy 14. I have seen every cutscene in that goddamn game. So many cutscenes in FF14. I was instantly reminded of the art style. When watching this trailer, watching these people talk in this trailer, it looks the exact fucking same as watching an FF 14 trailer with maybe slightly upgraded graphics, but not much. Yeah. No
1: doubt. And the themes are just too, too many reoccurring themes are happening. The fact that the mother crystal Hyden is there. Hyda, yeah, you know, yep. is just like immediately in the first trailer, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the summons being out of control. I'm um, the, the If anybody played a Realm Reborn, they'll notice some uh, some themes immediately. It's just and then the fact that the art style is the same. One of the main characters is just pretty much there in the trailer. (laughs) So,
0: yeah. Yeah. And uh, based on that logo, did you notice? Did you take a look at the logo artwork very closely? No, not really. It's it's literally Ifrit and Phoenix fighting each other. So, Ifrit and Phoenix. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, my guess is that this entire storyline is going to revolve around like a celestial, godlike feud between Ifrit and Phoenix, two fire summons. Which I find really interesting. I like the fact that they're the same element. It makes me think, oh, these dudes are like, yo, dog, Phoenix over there said that he's the strongest fire summon. And Ifrit's like, bro, I started fire summoning, brah. Okay, I am the OG. And it's like a fucking, you know, it's like 8 Mile with Eminem stepping up. What do you think about that?
1: I mean, that's a story that Final Fantasy (laughs) Universe deserves, but probably won't get. (laughs) (laughs) i mean it'd be pretty cool (laughs) Uh, also i want to know if there's going to be summoners though are they going to go through this like primal route where it's Mm. like these just unmovable entities that come from the power of the crystals or are these like evil people that are like unleashing these summons on the lands you know 'Cause I've always liked the idea of the evil summoner. You know, when Final Fantasy X rolled around and like the you had to mm-hmm. go on the pilgrimage yep. and shit like that and all this stuff, I was like, man, it'd be really cool if they played around with this idea, but it was an it was like master class summoner and it
0: was it was evil as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it caused a cataclysm event. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite parts about FF ten was the fact that it was good summoner versus evil summoner. And when you see Seymour sum- summon Animus the first time, you're just like, you see that like coming out of hell with the head, and just like. That was really fucking cool. And it was new. Like there like all the past Final Fantasy villains, you had Kefka poisoning villages, you had and impaling young maidens. Like you you didn't have evil summoner who was like the rival of the good summoner who was like kind of the main character but not quite it it was a really interesting dynamic i like that
1: yeah it's more of a a traditional fantasy trope Mm -hmm. you know the rivalry if you will
0: yeah and uh i did notice from this trailer that i think i have the answer for you and the answer is yes
1: because you think it is evil summoners?
0: I I think either, I think if free, whoever, okay, so let me take a step back. In this trailer, they talk about dominance. The trailer opens with these uh, medieval Game of Thrones looking dudes are about to go on a mission being like, the target is Shiva's dominant and only the dominant. And then like, so, like one of the soldiers is like, but, but what if the girl isn't there? They're basically framing this like Naruto. I believe oh. that these summons are basically like the tailed beasts from Naruto and that they're sealed within people. Because after they talk about this dominant, later on we get to the part where we see Phoenix come out of the kid Joshua. And it looks You're just right. it yeah. looks just like fucking Ninetales escaping Naruto. It's That's it, pretty cool. Yeah, That's it cool. is cool. I like that. And I think because we can pretty much rest assured that Joshua is a good guy based off of what I was seeing in this trailer. He has Phoenix. I believe that makes Ifrit the villain in this celestial feud. And whoever the dominant of Ifrit is, who I believe is that fire cloaked figure you see with red eyes where the dude's on the ground, he's like, What? Impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is the dominant of Ifrit, and it's probably the main villain of the game. And probably an evil summoner, so to speak, at least.
1: That's interesting. Takes 16 Final Fantasies to make Ifrit Eve- the fucking <laughs> villain.
0: It was such a natural choice. Oh, God. God. <laughs> so <fucking wrong. laughs> But uh, I know you're happy about the, the return of the Dragoon just featured real early in that trailer. Just you're like, damn right. Just to make sure <laughs> you people don't forget this is game's about Dragoons and only Dragoons.
1: Number one in the hood, G. He was the original hero, all right? People tend to want to forget about Dragoons, all right? Maybe they've played Titan Extreme too many times.
0: Wait, is that a mount that dropped? (laughs) (laughs) Every Dragoon rolls 99. (laughs) I think I'm retiring, guys. I'm not going to play anymore. (laughs) You literally won the mount before your body was resurrected from the ground.
1: (laughs) It's tradition.
0: but uh, This spe- is the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but speaking of Joshua, why the fuck was he being voice acted by a 45-year-old cigarette-smoking <laughs> ex-military quadroon? Like, what the fuck was that, dude? Should I do not that? know.
1: It was very jarring. <laughs> he wasn't the only voice actor that was jarring, though. The king's voice, I don't know if you go back in the trailer, The the voice for the king that was sitting in the... Like the castle, he didn't have a voice matching him either. <laughs> he was like super young sounding.
0: Oh, like the the guy who was whiny, He's like, "Didn't you swear your sword to me?" Or yeah, like that. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did notice that. It was I think really what this trailer is really assured is that I'm going to be switching it to Japanese audio <laughs> <laughs> I'm not impressed with the voice acting so far in the dub. I think
1: Americans just gave up on seriously dubbing Japanese voices I think it's just it's over yeah no one respects the trade anymore
0: so supposedly this is a PS5 exclusive do you believe that Uh, yeah so you think it's not coming out on PS4 you don't think it's coming out on PC
1: I definitely don't think it's coming out on PS4 because I don't Mm. think it's a launch title if it was a launch title Mm. I'd say sure it's coming out on PS4 I don't think it's a launch title cuz that was the only game uh that was in the in, uh, during the Sony reveal that they said was running on PC.
0: Right. It was the and, only one. <laughs> and it's not a launch title. Yeah. But there was an interview with someone big on the dev team. I forget which developer it was, but someone was interviewed by I think Famitsu. And they said that the game is coming out much sooner than people think it is. Really? I don't know if that's trolling or what, but I just kind of get the feeling that this is gonna be not a launch game, but it's gonna be like one of those soft launch games, like that comes out three months after launch or like five months after launch. I don't think it's gonna be far off. I really don't. I think I think we're gonna have FS sixteen before summer twenty twenty one. That's
1: my guess. man. That'd be really cool if they can connect it to Final Fantasy Fourteen Then maybe in a way it could be like the end of Final Fantasy XIV's story. Oh,
0: that would be so cool! I dude, yeah. I would be so all about that. Like, and maybe Yoshi P be being yeah. involved the way he is. Maybe that's yeah. the the breadcrumb. Maybe it following. takes.
1: Maybe it's like a reboot ten thousand years after the story of fourteen. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it gives you, like, a definitive ending of what happens in the 14 storyline.
0: It it would really make a lot of sense why the art style is so similar. That's for sure. Yeah. That'd be cool. It would be. But because it'd be so cool, it probably won't happen. But we'll keep our fingers crossed here in the crack cellar. You can pay me now for my ideas. Hit me up. I got Twitter, I got Facebook. <laughs> yeah, but over, overall, I just was really happy about like the gloominess of this trailer. Every scene was dark. It, it, almost all of it took place at night. It was very foggy. True. It was gloomy and moody. You know what I'm saying? Like When you've been playing games like FF, reminded me
1: of a compelling game like Legend of Dragoon that we both love it. so much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: I knew you were going to do that. (laughs) Moving on. To Legend of the Dragoon 2. (laughs) (laughs) To to our review. (laughs) Legend of Dragoon for PS1. (laughs) Uh, Well, before we uh, wrap this preview up, there is one thing I want to point out that I'm not sure if you noticed or not, but I think it has really strong implications for the story structure of this game. The main character or the person I believe is the main character and I think the person you believe is the main character, the guy that looks like the warrior of darkness from FF14. At the end of this trailer, it does like a close-up zoom on his face as as the young, you know, 22-year-old rookie soldier. Then it does like a, a fade cut into an older, grizzled version of himself that looks, I don't know, like ten, fifteen years older. Yep. I think we have a time skip on our hands. I think that half half of this game is going to be in one time period. Something big is going to go down and we are going to be time skipping at least a decade. What do you think?
1: Yep, exactly. Warrior of Darkness seals all the sum <laughs> all the summons into hosts and then Reboots universe. (laughs) So remembering it.
0: You were Ifrit all along. The end.
1: (laughs) We're all (laughs) Ifrit. Lock hands. Oh, shit. At the Uh, barrel
0: of a gun. (laughs) But on that note, Broadcaster Nichols, do you give Final Fantasy 16 a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or the treaded side thumbs?
1: I'll give it the righteous upper thumb.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that under advisement. (laughs) Indeed. Thumbs up for me as well. Quite simply, one of the best trailers I've seen in a long time. And, uh, The game looks legit, and Yoshi P. is pulling the puppet string, so all is well in Squareland. Broadcaster Nichols, are you ready to move on to our review of Rick and Morty Season 4? Where am I? And we're back with our review of Justin Roiland's Rick and Morty Season 4. And the creators of this TV series describe it as the following... The series follows the misadventures of alcoholic scientist Rick and his overly nervous grandson Morty, who split their time between domestic family life and intergalactic travel. Often finding themselves in a heap of trouble that more often than not, created through their own actions, these two will get to themselves out of trouble in the most entertaining way. Broadcaster Nichols, this is quite an interesting season because it veered off a bit from the earlier ones. Originally, I think Rick and Morty parodied sort of esoteric concepts, tropes, if you will, but not specific works. This season, season four, felt the majority of the episodes were actually parodying real fictional works that have been done in the past.
1: Yeah, I mean, it they have a mythos to go off of now, though, yeah. So, you know, now you can see like Birdman and his girlfriend and other things like that get brought back up from other seasons. You're like, oh, I remember that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? They didn't have any of that to go off of in one and two, three. I guess they could have done that, but they didn't.
0: It's just like if you look at the episode title of each episode, and the titles are all like parody titles of movies. The Edge of Tomorrow, the fucking Tom Cruise, the Tom Cruise sci-fi from like four or five years ago. Yeah. The first episode of season four, literally the title of it is a parody titling of The Edge of Tomorrow. We definitely
1: feel the new writers in the room, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that trend continues through most of the season. Oh, yeah. Rattlestar Rictacula. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it just it felt like a very fundamental shift in the way they approach the show. And do you think that means they sold out? Because I heard a lot of talk about them selling out. Do you think that when they say Rick and Morty sells out, are they talking about, like, the way they're shifting to just, like, actually being a parody of specific works rather than concepts?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you got, I mean, if you look at it this way, they hired a bunch of writers. Now they're leaning on more tropes, and they have a contract for like seven more seasons or something like that. So you can see how they're going to pump out those seasons fast. Mm-hmm. You can just see it right now.
0: <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. You're right. Last year they announced hey, everyone, you wanted a four season of Rick and Morty? How about 10? that was yep. so weird dude, i forgot it's like,
1: dude i still look think back to the first pilot episode of rick and morty and how it ended you know when morty's just sitting there on the ground because the the serum wore off and his legs rebroke and he's like oh he's in a bunch of pain <laughs> and rick's just like you first find out how fucked up rick is he's like I'm sorry, Morty. I lied to you. You're going to be in pain for the next three or 72 hours, but it's okay because me and you, we're going to have so many more adventures. It's going to be Rick and Morty forever and ever. (laughs) RickandMorty.com. Rick and Morty. And I think about that. I was like, well, he finally got what he wanted. Seven more
0: seasons, Morty. Seven more. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they did clear out their writer's room and hire like 80%-ish brand new writing staff. There's a few holdovers, but not many. So I think you might be right. These new writers might be the ones we're stuck with for the very long-term future, which... Well, I think cool. it'll be a
1: rotation. You think so? For sure. I mean, every single episode is written by somebody different. I mean, looks like... Uh, I think Jeff Lovelace is like a-, a loveness. I don't I forget his last name, but he seems to be a reoccurring guy. He did like four episodes or, mm-hmm. or something like that. But I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. I could easily
1: see them getting rotated out.
0: Well, perhaps and- because uh, season four's ratings fell off a cliff after the premiere. They started really high with the first episode of season four. And they dropped by, like, 60% and then stayed that low all the rest of the way through, which is a huge dip for the show. Before this, the show was continuously going up in viewership, all the way up to the season four premiere. And then it just... Yeah, it kind of lost its, its
1: like, special sauce that you got from the first couple seasons.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's definitely just... It's It feels like it went Hollywood And all the celebrity cameos Really cement that Impression Every episode just about has notable Celebrity cameos And one of them has like five You're just like what is happening In this fucking episode There's five random celebrities Well it's That's the thing
1: about it's, it, Rick and Morty is the next Simpsons You know it's like how Futurama went down You know Mm-hmm. Gonna have, uh, what's his name, Willie Nelson, voicing a character. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> that's just where Rick and Morty is gonna be at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah, and
1: uh, probably gonna see Justin Bieber in an episode. <laughs> is he even relevant anymore? I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> last time I heard anything about him, he was just driving a Lamborghini in Florida at like two hundred miles per hour, and he went to jail or something. That was la- that's Good. the last thing I heard about him.
1: Good for Justin. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a God-fearing American.
0: <laughs> Overall thoughts on season four without going into like too specific of spoilers, because we talked about the, the ratings falling off. So based on that, you can tell most people weren't super impressed with season four. Do you think maybe they embraced the memes a little too hard in this season? Like they read their own press and because you know, Rick and Morty is a very memey comedy cartoon show, and it's all about the memes and on it the the fan base of Rick and Morty is all about the memes. That's what I'm really trying to say. And I feel like the writers and the creative staff on Rick and Morty fell in the trap of like going into the same places their fan base goes and like, oh this is this'll be good because this is what this Reddit forum said.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's def- that's definitely how Rick and Morty fans think. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Reddit and see how people think and mm-hmm. react. <laughs> On top of that, the writers are fans. You know, at this point like this giant influx of writers, you can't Im- not imagine that these people are fans of the series and you know they're going to be biased in that regard. Yeah. They're going to they're going to favor certain characters, they're going to want to like do Certain stories that they've always thought should have happened, you know yeah. it automatically skews the nature of the original narrative, you know,
0: yeah, and uh one of the new writers is a really big fan of summer, and I'm not sure yeah. exactly what kind of fan he is of summer, but he's definitely a fan of some type,
1: yeah, it's I got some really weird vibes, my character the whole fucking season. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Such a character change So weird She is involved in some of the most Depraved scenes in this entire Season, she says some of the most Depraved shit in this entire season And there's Like you said, there's some really weird Vibes going on with Summer In certain aspects And uh, I don't want to go full Game of Thrones Cersei Lannister Here, but uh, this might be A Cersei situation, if you know what I mean
1: (laughs) I'm definitely thinking there's gonna be a future where there's gonna be some summer and morty babies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Season five, take as long as you want. <laughs> <We're good. laughs>
1: I mean that there was just this joke where it was just like if you eat me, don't start don't start at my ass because that would just be awkward or something like that. And it was like, was that an eating your sister's ass joke? What the fuck <laughs> <laughs> what the, is going on?
0: Yeah. There, there are a few lines that you just, there was one oh my God. When I heard it, I just was like, was that just allowed to exist in America? <laughs> Like That made it past just, like, Uncle Sam sitting up in the clouds smiting the the bad shit. <laughs> Uncle Uncle Sam missed that one, and this was allowed past well, the censors.
1: Daniel, I know you're getting a little long in the tooth. You know, you're a little old now at the year 35. But <laughs> if you grace Pornhub, there is a genre that's been growing very, very fast, and it's not good. And it's uh, incest. Well... <laughs> that's very There's true. a lot of people out there that want to fuck their step step <laughs> sibling apparently
0: that's very true and morty and summer definitely full-blooded siblings so nah dude they're both androids <laughs> <laughs> they're they're clone androids of other androids that were also clones yes i forgot about that it's that makes it be related <laughs> i mean they're stupid not to make babies at this point right
1: here at the Crack Cellar, we just gave you a glimpse into the mind of these fucked up writers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's not even what I'm talking about. There's something way worse than the insets, But again, I'm going to save it for the spoiler section and just kind of say that this season is much more hit and miss than past seasons. Seasons one through three are much more solid all around. Season four has a few standout episodes, but there are also some stinkers. And you're not used to having stinkers in Rick and Morty.
1: Yeah, I'd say almost a third of the season sucked, like completely.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would put it right about that as well. Maybe a quarter, a quarter to a third, definitely right in that area. There are several episodes that were not good. Uh, but the writing staff that we alluded to that is really obsessed with uh, Pornhub's newest sensation and the categorization hub. Uh, they really wanted to amplify certain things. and what they did is that they took Rick and Morty and they just took the imagine there are a bunch of sliders that you can just up the percentage of and they're like, oh, gore up it to 200 percent. uh gross weird shit just ambiguously make you disturb type stuff. not funny, just gross and weird. take that up to 200. Funny? Eh, let's bring that back down to, like, 75. That's sort of how the season felt. Like, it was all about making the viewer uncomfortable. That's That's the impression I got, is that these writers just wanted to make the Rick and Morty viewers feel uncomfortable. And they know how sick and depraved Rick and Morty viewers are to begin with. So that tells you how far they went to make this happen. You know why? because rick and
1: morty fans are privileged and they (laughs) They need to show them how privileged they are need to step outside of their comfort zone yep need more diverse cast of writers and and jokes and ideas like fucking your sister or brother
0: (laughs) (laughs) one last thing i want to say before we uh start moving on to our spoiler section is uh notably justin roiland and dan Harmon did not write a single episode of this season in the past three seasons they did write several episodes each season this one zilch nada and that's an addition to it overall brand new writing staff essentially on top of it so season four is almost a brand new show
1: yeah, well, I think uh, Royland and Harmon don't like each other. I think they fucking hate each other, to be honest. Yeah,
0: I get that impression, too. I think Dan Harmon sort of has gotten kicked out. And I don't really think he's very much involved in the show beyond contractual obligations in the voice acting department. What do you think?
1: I mean, I don't know. Probably it's more than that just because they'd write off Birdman a long time ago.
0: <laughs> Maybe they just did. Dun, dun,
1: dun. I mean, Birdman was already written <laughs> off. They like actually brought him back. I know. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. It's uh you can't really write anyone off in a show like this because it doesn't really <laughs> follow. Yeah, con- there's in, there's an entire episode about the fact that the show does not follow a continuity, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is one of the better episodes of the season. But overall, broadcaster Nichols. Would you recommend season four of Rick and Morty to someone that maybe is on the fence?
1: Run! <laughs> Don't open this box. It's not worth it. Once you have the ability to, all right, never mind. I should I should step back. Once you <laughs> give Rick and Morty fans the ability to talk to you, talk to you about Rick and Morty it's game over that's end game you've lost (laughs) all right so don't give them that ability when a Rick and Morty fan comes up and they fervently say dude love a dub a dub dub or pickle Rick and you say what and they say (laughs) you've never seen Rick and Morty and you say no
0: (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) Be proud. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sure that Reddit loves the season of Rick and Morty. But as an original fan of Rick and Morty, who is not just a meme kid that just appreciated it in the way that any bread-blooded American appreciates a hard R cartoon meant for adults. I really, really love the first two seasons of Rick and Morty. I like the third season a lot. The fourth season is not as good as any of the original three seasons. Anyone who tells you otherwise is just more than likely they are uh, of a certain variety of Redditor, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell you to ignore them. But at the same time, if you've been watching Rick and Morty, you have to watch season four. It's still good. It's still decent. You're going to watch it. But... If I were, like, talking to someone who's never watched Rick and Morty before, I might give pause to recommending the show in general to them at this point. That's where my hesitation might come in. I'm not sure I want to get any newcomers involved in this shit show that we're about to review. But what say you, broadcaster Nichols?
1: Are you it a thumbs down?
0: (laughs) There is no thumb.
1: There is only Thule. I got a fat thumb. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff, ladies.
0: (laughs) On that note, Broadcaster Nichols, are you ready to get to our spoiler section?
1: Hold on. I'm playing thumb war with myself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Action! Broadcaster Nichols... The first episode comes to us with many tropes. First of all, was that not the most timely reference to Nancy Grace you've ever seen?
1: Man, no one really knows who Nancy Grace is anymore, do (laughs) they? No,
0: they? they don't. It was so weird to see her in that. I was just like, wait a second. You guys are memeing Nancy Grace like 10 years after she was relevant? Like, are you trying to bring her back? Are you her agent? I think she still does something, right, on one of those fringe channels? Fringe news channels? If she does, it's news to me. I I don't think so, but it's possible. Man. How'd she get famous? OJ? (laughs) Aruba?
1: She got famous for Aruba, didn't she?
0: She got famous for being a high profile Karen on television,
1: space. She was, dude. <laughs> she was
0: OG news Karen for sure. She was. <laughs> uh, she was one of those like, but what about the children people? Like she I remember I, a lot of her rants were based on the children, quote unquote. I think
1: the universe gave us Nancy graced for humanity to be able to I, uh, visually identify what a bitch looks like, you know, like they're like, no one could put a finger on it before Nancy came into existence. You know, and you're like that. That's what a bitch looks like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the first episode starts out a little grandiose, you know, they're, they're trying to take crystal, you know, and the crystal ends up like taking over, Real original theme. <laughs> Taking over, Wordy. It was the first vision of Nazis we see in this season, but not the last. <laughs> what do you think about the use of Nazis in this episode? I'm absolutely for it.
1: <laughs> I think humanity, especially white people, have a a price to pay for a yeah. privilege. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying?
0: I do. I do. Uh, and wh- Hitler. What- <laughs> Go on. <laughs> this episode felt really disconnected from Rick and Morty. It didn't feel like a Rick and Morty episode. Uh, it also has one of the most disturbing scenes I've ever seen in my entire life in it. So... Basically, oh, wasp. <laughs> so, so okay. So basically, what happens here is that Rick dies, and he keeps resurrecting over and over and coming out of his little hatch in in the basement from his you know cloning area. And each time he comes back, he's like a different version. And, and first we have the Nazi version, and uh, we have uh, Nazi Rick, and we have fascist Morty, and. Uh, eventually we get to the wasps right <laughs> like, i think there's like a slug version too there's there's some weird random alien stuff but the wasp version dude, <laughs> was
1: pretty disturbing <laughs> that
0: that was some sinister shit that was disturbing on a level you don't typically see in a show like rick and morty so basically rick is like hey dude uh I just I just want to get out of here. I'll say whatever you want me to say. Uh are are you a Nazi? I'll be a Nazi. He's like, "Oh no, I fucking hate you know, the wasp." Rick is like, "Fuck, no, I hate Nazis." He's like, "Oh, thank God. Okay, okay." Uh well, uh, what do, what do wasps do? And he's like, "Well, <laughs> wasps eat their food alive while they cry and if they don't do that they insert babies into their eyes so that the babies can eat the the brains from the inside and you're just like well that's pretty grim but okay he's just saying some stuff he's just talking shit whatever and it gets to the point where he's like okay that's fine and then you know wasp bricks like okay come eat dinner with my family break bread everything will be okay and we get to this scene (laughs) it's the entire family but wasps with with uh morty's uh teacher as a caterpillar on the dinner table they're just viciously eating this teacher alive while they like have family banter and you and you actually see summer do the eyeball impregnation thing while they're all eating too and this is disturbing by itself, but <laughs> towards the end of it, like, the, the the portrayal of the Caterpillar, the teacher, the way he's voice acting it is so, <laughs> like, you can just hear, like, the genuine horror in his voice. It's like, that was some good acting. Whoever that guy is who does that, <laughs> he has some good acting. And at one point, you find out that the Caterpillar teacher's pregnant, and the babies pop out, and he's just like, run, little babies, Run! <laughs> and then fucking Wasp Morty's like, ooh, bonus, and he just fucking slurps the babies up. Uh words do not describe how fucked up and disturbing this scene was. I've seen some shit in my life, and this, this is gonna this is gonna stick with me for a long time.
1: <laughs> it's definitely one of the better episodes. <laughs> I liked it especially when he like comes to the was it a teddy bear or whatever it was, what was it was it stuffed animals or was it a lobster or something like that I forget he runs into one universe where it's like he, he can't quite figure out if it's a fascist or they're anti-fascist or fascist and he's mm-hmm. like uh <laughs> he's like yeah fuck Hitler and he's just like we love Hitler here. He's like, ah, son of a bitch. He <laughs> <laughs> just blows his brains out. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, this this was definitely one of the funnier episodes. It didn't really feel like a Rick and Morty episode, but it it had a lot of laughs in it, for sure. But it also had some really disturbing shit. And I'm going to say that the Wasp Rick Dinner... Wasn't even the most disturbing thing in the episode, Broadcaster Nichols. What do you you say? What what do you say to that? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about right now? If you were to guess what I'm about to say is the most disturbing thing in the episode. (laughs) Um
1: I mean it's been a while since I watched that episode. What are we talking about? Okay.
0: Broadcaster Nichols, at the end of this episode, Rick. And Morty and Summer are in front of the garage and they're like babbling at each other. While Rick and Morty are basically fighting each other to like get a word in edgewise, Summer's also screaming to try and become a part of the group. Oh. And at the end of it, you hear her say something about a cum fest. And then they both look at her and they're like, What the fuck did you just say, bitch? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> and. At first, you just think that she's, like, like fantasizing about getting gangbanged or something, which is, you know, kind of, like, you know, it's kind of R-rated, but, like, whatever. It's Rick and Morty. But then Rick is like, hey, I record everything, cunt. I'm, we're going to fucking listen to this shit. And he plays it back. And she starts talking about third graders blowing each other and having a cum fest. Kids, what the fuck? (laughs) How is it possible that that's even allowed to air in America? You're allowed to talk about something like that.
1: There's a lot of pedos out there in the entertainment world.
0: Uh, right oh, but holy shit, was that... when I heard that shit, I could not believe what I heard. I'm just like, did someone edit this to troll me? Did this really air on television? Yeah, it, did. it was a little weird. It did air on television. I think it's the
1: prime example of how the writing has changed in the series, you know, it's like when cuz jokes just don't land like that in regular Rick and Morty, you know. <laughs> you just don't. <laughs> Sure, it's out. you brought it up to an outlandish level, but that was just
0: weird. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe it. And they ended the episode on it, too. Like, that's literally the last fucking thing that happens in the episode. They leave you on that note. And it, it's like, okay, on one hand, Rick and Morty just threw the gauntlet down on inappropriateness. But at what cost?
1: Yeah, weird sexuality is a
0: reoccurring theme in this uh, season. It is. Thankfully, pedophilia isn't a reoccurring theme. I think this is the only time. I want to say this is the only time something like that is said or happens. But other sexual perversions are fucking in every single episode the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, well, all you got to do is look up the guy that wrote the episode And look at the picture of him and tell me that he doesn't do the little kids. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me he doesn't. Look up Mike McMahon. (laughs) Uh,
0: uh, Jesus Christ. The second episode is a meme episode about app developers. And it has like a little alien that's just constantly walking around the house like, oh, will you develop my app? And everyone's like, no, shut up. And of course, Jerry's like, oh, perhaps I will develop your app. (laughs) This one was pretty funny. (laughs) This episode was like personified the overall theme of season four, which is every episode is like a like either a parody or a meme. There's no just straight up episode that is it's well, maybe there's one, but most of them they're just a parody or a meme. And As someone that is in the IT sector, the whole app developer meme cracked me the fuck up. I enjoyed it, but I really didn't truly enjoy it till we got up to the Death Star and were greeted by Sam Neill playing (laughs) Palpatine. That was fucking awesome, wasn't it? It was fucking amazing, dude. The the, the pepper he was putting on that voice acting performance. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he, he was literally trying to be Palpatine in his vo- in his own voice. He was trying to do it. It was so good. What was his name? Oh, God. What was his fucking name? Uh, it was like... Uh, I don't think he had a name, actually.
1: Tony was think- the... Tony was the... Oh. Uh, um... The private pooper, right? <laughs> uh, oh the
0: yeah, 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 private yeah. pooper. Yeah, yeah. So the, the so okay. So this episode, the B story was with Rick, and Rick has like a special toilet that he has on like a special planet that's only for him, and he finds out some alien used it. And his B story, the entire episode, is him like going Liam Neeson Taken style on this toilet, trying to track down who fucking took a dump on his toilet. <laughs> and he eventually finds the alien and it's played by uh yeah it's played by Bernard from uh, Westworld Mr. Jeffrey right <laughs> that's what i was remembering <laughs> that was a pretty good uh voice acting performance from him as well like he he didn't half ass it he he didn't phone it in that was pretty good shit <laughs> it was such a weird encounter <laughs>
1: he's like hey man i just really like the view up here <laughs> <He's> <laughs> It's
0: a nice toilet. Yeah, I know it's a nice (laughs) toilet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then Rick, like throughout the episode, like once he finds out who the alien is, he like does all these really extreme things to get him to not do it. But the guy just keeps doing it to the point where he ends up murdering him. And this this is where the show starts to show a really weird thing that's new to the show that perpetuates through season four introspective Rick
1: well it it started at the end of season 3 when he tried to kill himself or whatever
0: well yeah yeah, kind of I think that was like a soft introduction to it but it goes hard in this season like the so after he kills the alien he took a shit on it he goes to the funeral of the guy and and goes up to the dad and just gives him like 8 billion dollars and like just like, here's this and this, here's some like free replicator technology and uh, a thousand girls blowing you a day for free. like he, he just gives him everything in the world he could possibly think of because he feels bad. And then he goes back and he ends up sitting on his toilet and you find out that he programmed a bunch of hollow ricks to make fun of him for sitting on his toilet and not sharing it with the alien with like sad music. And that's the end of the episode. It ends like that. It was so weird. (laughs) Yeah. Again,
1: I think it's these writers. They're trying to be big brain.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think so. Uh, Overall, the A plot, though, was just like a parody of Tinder culture. Again, like, we're just talking... Most of these episodes are just parodies on something specific. The app that he develops is like Tinder, but... Exaggerated to the point where you meet your soulmate You kiss them once And then the app rings again And says oh nope you have a new soulmate Time to move on And I don't know I like the B story way more I didn't really think the A story was that great
1: My my words You know what season 4 gave me the feeling of Hmm. That season 5 Is going to introduce a diverse character (laughs) And that diverse character Is going to get a spin off Oh boy (laughs) That's the feeling you get from season 4
0: Well I hope you are wrong about that But uh One last thought on episode 2 My favorite part of the entire episode Is when it's just Sam Neill As the alien Palpatine and his wife The queen And like the queen is like making fun of him For like the, the emperor Palpatine Tubes that he has connected <laughs> yeah, to. Him. Yeah. And and Sam Neill is just like, these tubes are cool and I want a divorce. <laughs> like, that, <laughs> that fucking line cracked me the fuck up. That was great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Legendary. <laughs> oh my God.
0: But uh that brings us into third episode, which is an Ocean's Eleven parody. And wow. I think they kind of jump the shark with this one. I don't know about you, but this was when I watched this episode, this is when my brain was sort of like going, "Uh-oh, red alert." Try to remember what was episode 3. So 3, this is It's just a it's a heist movie parody. Like Rick and Morty split up and Morty thinks that he can out-heist Rick, and Rick, as usual, uses an opportunity to show how much (laughs) superior he is to Morty. The heistotron. Yeah, exactly, heistotron. (laughs) There are a few laughs in this episode, but overall I thought this was one of the weaker episodes of the season. It felt very tropey and very kind of not Rick and Morty. One caveat to that, though, is I fucking loved Elon Musk's cameo in this episode. It was brief (laughs) but awesome. (laughs) Elon Tusk. (laughs) Yeah, what I love the most about it was Rick's line where he's where first of all, Elon Tusk is like, what happened to your Elon Musk? And then Rick's like, oh fuck, that guy's weird. I can't trust him. (laughs) I I love that part. I was just like true. (laughs) You're going to Elon Tusk for the real shit. but uh yeah so so the episode it just ends up being a mechanism for rick to convince morty to give up his dreams and do whatever rick says all the time and just (laughs) that's like literally it was a very demoralizing episode (laughs) (laughs) it's like at the very end they're in their spaceship and then (laughs) morty's just like you know i think you're right rick uh I think I should just give up these dreams and just you know do whatever you say and just have adventures with you and I should just do that forever and they just look sad <laughs> down and yeah. then Rick yeah. Rick looks at the camera and like lowers his Hollywood sunglasses and winks at the camera.
1: <laughs> I I don't know, man. When you just see Rick and Morty, he like submits his screen and play to uh, Netflix. At the end of the episode. Yeah, that was pretty funny, yeah. And he's just reading it, and he just loses it. he's like,
0: (laughs) uh-oh. This sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I guess this is a good time to mention any complaints I have about this season. They're legitimate, and I don't think this is a great season compared to the earlier seasons, but... This is still good shit we're watching. Like, it, we're not dealing with, like, some really bad stuff. Like, this isn't, like, the Twilight Zone. Jordan Peele's The Twilight Zone or something like that. Like, we're not dealing with, like, a full-on takeover. This this is still Rick and Morty, but there are just some worrying trends. More than, like, straight-up nuclear fallout.
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know it's, it's, i was at the end of the episode it was really funny how he just like turns down netflix mm-hmm. it's like <laughs> no <"Nah." laughs>
0: i'm an adventure with my um <laughs> with my grandpa <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that brings us to the fourth episode which is the how to train your dragon parody uh This
1: is where it got really weird.
0: Oh, yes, for sure. Uh, It starts off innocent enough. Uh, You know, it's... uh, Hey, you told me you were going to get me a dragon. And then Rick begrudgingly gets him a dragon. But the dragon hates him. It doesn't want to hang out with Morty. But then after he's done hanging out with Morty, he ends up hanging out with Rick... And he fucking falls in love with Rick. (laughs) And like while like Morty's like texting the dragon like, hey, bro, come on, man. Let's fly. Like he's literally getting plastered with Rick like in the skies, just like drinking and having fun. He's like, how do you deal with Morty? And Rick's like, I just usually ignore him. (laughs) The interactions, the early interactions with Rick and the dragon are my favorite part of this episode. They're really good until it gets weird.
1: This uh dragon has got some uh fetishes for sure, <laughs> a couple kinks,
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. So, no. so eventually, while they're ignoring Morty together and they're just like, sort of like, oh man, you know, like we kind of understand each other and we're kind of just like entrepreneurs and we're like one of a kind guys and stuff, and then like they have like the anime moment where like it locks eyes on both characters and they look at each other like oh i love you i love you and then they like float into the sky and a giant purple <laughs> a lightning <laughs> beam like intertwines them and they just start grunting sexually for fucking like two minutes straight it's like one of the most <laughs> awkward scenes to watch ever you're just like you see a dragon and Rick in the sky, floating, just like shaking uncontrollably in sexual ways, like grunting. Rick, what,
1: what just happened there?
0: <laughs> Did you have sex with
1: that dragon?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so Morty shows up and finds out that Rick had sex with this dragon. <laughs> <laughs> And the wizard goes, shows up. He's like, "No refunds." (laughs) (laughs) But Morty's like, "Fuck, man! My uncle just fucked my dragon!" And they, (laughs) and he's like, "Oh, relief! That's unforgivable." Okay, okay. And (laughs) the mage just starts whipping the dragon, calling it a slut for (laughs) (laughs) thirty
1: seconds.
0: (laughs) King shaming it. Oh my god! What a weird fucking episode. I think it was trying to
1: teach us some weird valuable lesson in the positivity of having sluts in the form of a dragon. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I'm all for sluts. Don't get me wrong. This is kind of weird that it was a dragon.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and they went hard in the paint on it, too. So, like, they end up going to, like, the wizard planet, and they meet, like, more sex dragons. And uh, (laughs) they have a giant orgy. (laughs) They're they're literally like, the only way we can defeat the evil wizard is to have a giant dragon (laughs) orgy. (laughs) And I'm just like, what? (laughs) What? How did we get here, Justin Roiland? How is this the place we are inhabiting in 2020?
1: I think he's left the building. Hmm. I think they've Whoa. all left the building.
0: Yeah. So so yeah, that whole plot line is resolved by a giant slut dragon orgy and. Uh not much else to say about it. It was disturbing and it was a uh, good episode. <laughs> there's more to come on that, but the 4th episode foundation. <laughs> the 4th episode also had a B story with Jerry. Do you remember that? Um I
1: Did? What?
0: Yeah, remember like there's a talking cat that just appears in their house and just starts talking to Jerry and Jerry's like, "Hey Rick, what's up with this talking cat?" And <laughs> and Rick's like, "What are you talking about?" I have no idea what you're talking about. Shut up, Jerry, and just leaves. And this cat is talking to Jerry, and it's voiced by Ferris Bueller, which was one of the weirder cameos in this season. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> I don't remember this, dude. This cat, this cat's like just like really chill, and he's just like, yeah, you know. I'm a talking cat. So what? And Jerry's like, "But why do you talk?" And he's like, "Dude, don't worry about that, okay? I'm just a talking cat. Just go with it." And and he's like, "Hey Jerry, don't you want to go visit Florida?" And Jerry's like, "What?" Oh, <laughs> we don't want to go to Florida. Florida. <laughs> and he's like, and then the Ferris Bueller cat's like, "Well, you know, down in Florida, they they play volleyball. And you know, they just have fun." And Jerry's like, "Yeah, they do play volleyball." <laughs> And he's instantly manipulated by this talking cat. And they're just instantly on a plane down to Florida. And it cuts to fucking (laughs) Jerry playing volleyball with the cat. And everything's going good until they find some cat shit in the sand. And some girl's like, oh, who the fuck did this? Who fucking did this? There's cat shit. No, there's shit here. And they just blah, blah, blah. And then (laughs) the cat... The cat points at Jerry and says he did it, and they all, like, turn on him like vipers. And I'm just sitting here like, listen, it's a talking cat. No one's questioning the fact that a talking cat told you the human did it?
1: I think the whole scene is supposed to just, you know, show you how pathetic Jerry is It is framed by a cat.
0: It is. <laughs> but, uh, but so so uh, jerry's kicked out of the social circle and the talking cat goes on to the yacht with all his friends by himself and it cues to the scene where there's like two gym bros talking to each other about like all like the sex positions they did to their girlfriends and like these are like two <laughs> obviously gay dudes that are like bragging about how they're having sex with women and, and the cat just like, uh, Hey guys. So like, is the point of this to just flat out lie about being attracted to women? Or are you like trying to make it fictional so that like, it sounds cool that you would have sex with women, but you clearly don't. And then like, both like <laughs> the gym rats just look at him like, fuck you, dude. And they throw him off the boat. <laughs> And he just swims back to the beach and sits with Jerry, and they have like this little moment with each other. <laughs> and I really, I really enjoyed the fact that the cat like instantly turned on Jerry, but then instantly turned on his other friends. It's just a duplicitous don't they, cat. Don't they scan the cat's brain? Hey, hey, at hey, some hey. Point. We're gonna get to that. Okay. Oh, <laughs> so moving along. Yes, <laughs> at the very end of the episode. Rick takes the cat and Jerry to, like, an alien planet to safely scan the cat's brain away from Earth. I don't know why they do that. It's really weird, but he literally takes them to a different planet. And he's like, so, cat, uh, why do you talk? And the cat does his little answer, like, well, it doesn't matter. You know, just go with it. But then Rick does, like, a super energy cage around it and does his, all his technology tricks on it. And they look into this cat's brain. Do you remember what happens when they do this? <laughs> no. Dude. So, so, like, Rick puts goggles on, scans the brain, starts looking at it, and he, like, starts shaking, and then he just starts vomiting, and he's like, no, no, don't look at this. Uh, and then, like, fucking uh, Jerry's like, oh, no, I need to see this. I need to know why. And Rick just, like, shakes him, like, you don't want to see this. <laughs> it was, It was super epic and it reminded me of like the event horizon blood orgy scene that got <laughs> censored from the the x-rated version of uh event horizon i think that's what they were watching in this cat's brain they basically implied yeah. that this cat was literally satan incarnate and like watching what it was thinking would just make you vomit uncontrollably
1: <laughs> it was the antichrist it was the, the antichrist
0: anti-cat. yes <laughs> And what was even funnier is that Rick didn't kill it; he just told it to g- run away. And like the cat's like, "But I don't have anywhere to go." <laughs> and Rick's just like, "Just, <laughs> just go." <laughs> this is just like, literally, like the personification of evil—the most evil thing Rick has ever seen in his life. And he's like, eh, "I'm not going to kill it. Let's let this thing live."
1: Well, maybe it wasn't evil. Maybe it was just what it saw. Uh...
0: Yeah. So. Speaking of you, episode five is the racist snake episode. Broadcaster Nichols, what do you remember about the racist snake episode?
1: I remember Christmas lights. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Man, some of these episodes have been so long since I watched them.
0: Yeah. So this episode begins with Morty uh, murdering the first snake astronaut from some snake planet. So like the snake, the snake race. And it's funny too because they're not like, they're not like human snakes. They're just little snakes that like act human. So it's really, it's kind of hilarious to watch. But so basically, like imagine just like an, an everyday snake you'd find on the planet Earth right now in a spacesuit. Morty finds it. The thing tries to bite Morty. Morty kills it. And that should be the end. They go home, but Morty feels bad. He's like because Rick tells him, "Oh yeah, you know, I was an astronaut and they were it was the first astronaut of the snakes and you killed him. You killed him, Morty." And uh, <laughs> so so Morty's answer to this is he goes to a pet store on Earth and just buys a regular snake and he puts it in the snake astronaut suit and drops it back on that planet, the snake planet. This begins One of the more interesting things of season four. In season four, there are several dialogue free sequences. That have music playing where it's just a shitload of scenes going with no words being spoken. This okay. one shows the sequence of this snake, the imposter snake landing on the planet of the snakes, reintegrating into snake society. <laughs> it, it is hilarious. Like, like it shows the the imposter snake, like on the pod, the NASA podium, like addressing everyone. Like I'm the smart for the first snake in space. And like the announcer, like goes up to the stage. And is like, what are your thoughts on this? And then like the earth snake just looks at him and just bites him because it's just a normal snake from our planet race. <laughs> so like that whole thing was fucking hilarious. And it, it shows that like progress through like, I want to say eight minutes of no dialogue, just snakes interacting with each other on this planet is, is one of the more bizarre things, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was like a very bold directional choice that you won't see very often in animated shows i think i partially remember this i don't think i ever finished it i think i fell <laughs> asleep you just remember like in a half dreamy haze like a, a snake astronaut biting a snake <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i remember morty killing the snake astronaut and rick like explained to him but i don't remember anything
0: past that oh that's the very beginning that's unfortunate yeah it was a. Uh... It was funny. That was the A storyline. The B storyline was garbage, and I'm not going to spend much time on it. But basically, in just this passing scene early on, Jerry was bothering Rick. So Rick's like, hey, Jerry, how about you leave me the fuck alone? And here are like some space shoes that'll make you fly. And Jerry's like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> and so he puts these shoes on, and he just starts flying around Earth. And it's just like him, like one of the scenes is him going to like a basketball court with like a bunch of like ballers and be like, Hey kids, let me show you how it's done. Give me the basketball. And like, he's going to try and like dunk and like be cool. But instead of dunking, he just floats into the sky like a balloon and he has like no control and he just, he just flies up into the sky screaming, I need my other shoe. <laughs> it's the dumbest, it's like the weakest B storyline in the entire season.
1: It's kind of a letdown with such a big name. It's big shoes to fill. Star Galactica
0: sucks. (laughs) But uh, so, yeah, the A storyline eventually leads. It's funny. So you don't know any of this. Eventually, after that sequence with the snake on the snake planet, it leads to Snake Terminator. So, like, that snake ends up destroying the entire society of the snake planet. And then the machines rise on the snake planet and creates Terminator snakes. And then the Terminator snakes come and invade Earth, too. But that's not before we see snake... escalated quickly. Before that, we actually see some more snake Nazis. So, this is the second Nazi reference in Season 4.
1: Uh... Yeah. See, I only thought there was one. No. no. Uh, Wipe the the series. We're done. (laughs) It's too woke.
0: But uh, it ends with a snake invasion of Earth. So, like, they're just snakes teleported. Robot Terminator (laughs) snakes just teleporting onto Earth. And you see Summer and Beth fighting them off. And then at one point, they just stop. And they're like, what happened? And it pans to, like... These time cops that are like meatball heads. That I don't think I've ever seen them in a Rick and Morty episode. They're just like a new alien race. They're like little stick figures with meatball heads, and they're called time cops. And they end the invasion of Earth by going to like the the caveman days on the the snake planet, and they just like sit there and they watch like a caveman snake drag another snake into his cave to like cook and eat him or some shit. And they just, like, murder that snake, and then all snake civilization ends, and that's the end of the episode. I think they have shown
1: up. Don't they look like ball sacks? (laughs) Maybe. Didn't they have time cops? Once that, like, had, like, ball sack guns, and they got a hold of one. Remember that? It was, like, in season two or something.
0: Maybe. I'm kind of fuzzy on it. They might have appeared earlier, but I couldn't quite put a finger on it, but... Yeah, it, it was. It was pretty uh, interesting how loosey goosey they've made the plot lines in season four. Like they sure. they they make it a point to say that none of this matters. This is all bullshit. Don't try and apply like a fucking continuity to this show because <laughs> it ain't happening. We don't pay them enough to make that. All right, so don't pay attention that much. So uh, episode six, and this is the first episode of the second half of season four. So there's a big break between the snake planet and this episode, which is the space train. And the space train is just full of people who want to kill Rick.
1: This was a really good episode.
0: <laughs> this is a good episode, and one of the reasons is because Pajimadi... Is playing the villain. And <laughs> he's very good. He's the story good. lord. The story lord, yes. <laughs> this this episode is just 100% fourth wall breaking. Like, this is Deadpool level fourth wall breaking in this episode. It sort of is a, a parody of Inception. Because as these characters in this train are going through these scenes, like, they'll die or something will happen. And then they'll, like, sort of telepathically appear in a different life like they just woke up from a dream but then they'll still be in the dream and they'll go a level deeper and it, it goes into like that whole like the way inception dealt with like layers and like deeper and deeper and like how do you know you're out of the dream that's basically what they're doing in this episode overall
1: yeah isn't the whole i mean the whole point of it is is that paul giamatti's story lore, like, He he's trying to like sap
0: their story potential right Mm -hmm. (laughs) or something like that yeah (laughs) it felt much more like a traditional rick and morty episode than a lot of the season did
1: yeah seeing the evil rick and morty uh or it's not not morty the no it was morty who's commanding the army (laughs) in one of the stories (laughs) that was fucking hilarious
0: yeah yeah, it's just a collection of flashbacks, basically. Like, it'll introduce a character that hates Rick, and then it'll show you why they hate Rick. And it's like this little short story of some shit that happened with between the two of them early on. Some of them are better than others, but... <laughs> well, my favorite was the the Ticket Please guy. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> this was some real <laughs> Hellraiser shit, by the way. <laughs> this was like the... <laughs> I think they were making fun of uh, uh, God, what's Wes Anderson? What's his name? The guy that does like the Grand Budapest and shit. Yeah. There's one where there's a train, yes. And uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy that played uh, the Hulk American History X, Edward Norton, yeah. Pretty sure they're making fun of him.
0: Mm. <laughs> It doesn't surprise me because this whole season is sort of in that vein uh but th- there's more come talk in this episode uh, like it's I, a recurring theme it is there there are every, almost every episode of this series mentions come in some way or another it's
1: i think it's the underlying illuminati satanic ritualistic <laughs> undertones that uh Duncan Trussell is telling us about man. Come as the seed <laughs> of life, they want to impregnate the demon,
0: <laughs> and that's. Why, Anyways, carry on. That's why broadcaster Nichols always takes his hydroxychloroquine <laughs> to keep the demon seed away. I fight demons, bro. <laughs> But uh, so, so the ticket please guy they end up murdering, and they they murder him by shoving him out of a window, and the window ends up cutting his torso off. <laughs> and as his torso cuts off, he wakes up from the train, and like. Chuck E. Cheese with his family and he's like oh fuck I was having a bad dream and blah 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 <laughs> and this is one of those like when I was saying this is sort of like an Inception parody this is sort of what I mean by it it's so, like he wakes up and he's like oh yeah you know that was just a dream blah 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 and then like they're like what happened in the dream and then he's like "I I." Don't... and then like his torso rips off and he starts floating in the air at Chuck E. Cheese and just raining blood upon all the children and he's clearly still in the dream <laughs> And this is a pretty harrowing scene. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you remember it very well, but it was pretty harrowing. How'd they escape? Escape the train? Yeah. Oh, we'll get to that. Uh, so after the spinning, raining blood at Chuck E. Cheese scene, uh, we go back to uh, Summer and Beth. And they're, I don't even remember exactly what they were doing, but they end up calling Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Who, wow. who just died recently In real life And I find that a very weird coincidence Because I've never seen Ruth Bader Ginsburg in anything Except for this one episode Of Rick and Morty
1: Telling you dude, simulation
0: Yeah, this, this is like the simulation Kind of like giving you a shout out When you see shit like that <laughs> You're just like, what the fuck But but yeah, the, the villain of this episode is the writer of this episode. In a very fourth wall breaking way. Paul Giamatti is the conductor of the train. And he's also the writer of the episode. And he, <laughs> the whole point of the episode is him sucking the excitement and like the story ingenuity out of his characters to power his train. Very bizarre, but it,
1: I think it was I think it was symbolic. <laughs> I think they were trying to tell us a warning of Rick and Morty. (laughs) And Paul Giamatti was there to say it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But uh, either way, the story Lord was probably the best villain of the week of this season. No doubt. (laughs) He was fucking excellent. And uh, the episode ends with them defeating him and it panning out to show... Rick and Morty playing with a train set in their living room in real life. And then you realize that the entire episode took place on a toy train. Rick brought Morty instead of in the living room. They're playing trains in the living room. <laughs> yeah. So, so like talking about fourth wall breaking, they do all this shit and then they're just like, and that entire episode was bullshit. Uh, they're just playing with a train set in the living room. That's the real episode is I'm just playing with a train set and, uh,
1: Rick, no, the real story is is Morty's fucking retarded,
0: <laughs> that, and and Rick sitting there like telling Morty how proud of him he is because he bought something. <laughs> this is one of the weird like undercurrents of the season that a lot of people probably won't pick up on very much. But this rant Rick does about consumerism is like low key one of the greatest Rick rants of all time. He's just like, I'm, I'm so proud of you, Morty. You uh, went into that store and you saw that and you said, I'm going to buy that because I have money because I know people with money and they're going to buy that for me and I want it. And you know what, Morty? You did it. You got it and and you bought it and you fucking bought that shit. And I fucking love buying stuff, Morty. And it's like one of the I'm not doing it justice. It was just fucking an amazing rant. And. I think that was the real highlight of an otherwise great episode in its own right. Is that fucking rant at the end? Cause
1: it ends. Well, I think it was meant to break the, the whole linear idea of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just going to rant about fucking uh, commercialism and, and consumerism.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that uh, brings us to episode seven, which man, this one comes out hot. As the grossest episode of the season, and <laughs> they, there are a lot of gross episodes in season four. like almost all of them are pretty gross, but it's a oh, really weird premise. Oh my God <laughs> uh, so this is the alien parody episode. It starts off with Rick and Morty walking around with face huggers over their mouth. They're like these little squid aliens that just live over the mouth and just shit into the human's mouth as they're you know infecting them and controlling them and just randomly somehow they resist the facehuggers and murder them and they wake up and they're like oh fuck what's happening what's happening rick what's happening morty and they escape the planet and this scene this is one of my favorite like action scenes of the season it, it basically shows them in the ship just like Blowing this alien planet to smithereens as they're leaving. Like, fuck you, facehugger bitch. is like, blowing everything up they can see as they're escaping. And then randomly they come up about, like, the, the two towers. Like, basically an alien version of the two towers. And, like, it just gets really solemn real quick. And, like, the music cuts down and they just kind of get quiet and look at each other. Like, and they shake their heads at each other. Like, no. And, and they get past the two towers and then they... <laughs> then they see Pearl Harbor right after Like that's okay though right and They're like yeah fuck it <laughs> They just they go, they go in and bomb Pearl Harbor And uh, I found it interesting That this is one of the first 9-11 jokes I've ever seen in my life How many it's 9-11 not, jokes have you seen? It's not too
1: soon It's not too soon anymore Daniel No
0: it's not <laughs> Is this the first you've seen? In a television no, show I know.
1: Uh, In a television show yeah Or a movie Probably. Yeah
0: yeah, I've seen no stand-up. Doubt. I've seen stand-up comics do 9-11 jokes. I have never seen a TV show or a movie do a 9-11 joke till this.
1: I can't think of one, no.
0: Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. So they escape the plant and they just go back to Earth, and everything's fine. They're eating dinner at the <laughs> dinner table, and, and like, Rick is, like, sitting there telling the story, and, and like, everyone at the table is sort of just, like... So, wait a second, you did a (laughs) (laughs) 9-11? So, you did a 9-11? He's like, no, we almost did a (laughs) 9-11. No. (laughs) When they see
1: those towers and they look at each other. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man.
0: And I, I really like the line from Rick where he's like, look at that getting political i'm political now (laughs) i'm political now (laughs) so at uh one point uh jerry like interrupts them all to say that he's taken up beekeeping (laughs) which i i like the way they wrote jerry in this season like they really doubled down on the patheticness of jerry (laughs)
1: he's just a lost soul he's
0: anything <laughs> anything
1: that gets his attention he puts 100 percent into
0: and then and then like rick rick starts mocking him for his beekeeping and <laughs> and jerry's like i'm sorry i didn't 9-11 pearl harbor before breakfast <laughs> but i have a life too i have dreams that's the best Jerry line of the season In my opinion there's a few good Jerry Lines in the season that was the Hitter for me
1: No doubt
0: But uh, right after That uh best like so So Where's summer at and they look at each other Rick and Morty and like oh fuck we forgot summer At this alien planet <laughs> So they fly back to the alien planet Not they- the first time they forgot summer <laughs> No And uh they land and they start fighting the aliens and they just randomly put like power ranger Gundam suits on, which weird. Okay. But you know,
1: it's whatever. (laughs) It's like one of those random things. You're just like,
0: I guess. Okay. And, uh, they fight through and they eventually find summer and they realize that she isn't a face hugger and that she's actually controlling the face huggers. And, uh, She then explains to them their past as facehuggers. And this is another one of the most disturbing scenes in this entire show. I've said that a few times in this season and this is no different. Uh, so first of all, it shows them basically talking to like this religious leader who is like explaining to them why these other versions of the aliens are like heretics because they don't want to follow the path of God or whatever. And they're like, what is the path of God? And they're like, well, you live for a half hour. Then you shit out an egg and die. (laughs) (laughs) I really, I really liked like the, the sudden (laughs) impact of that scene. Like at (laughs) first you're kind of just like, you don't really know what's going on with these face huggers. Like if they're evil or good or who's the bad guy or who's the good guy or what, and then they say that, and you just see this dude just shit out an egg and die right in front of you. It's, <laughs> it's one of the grosser things I've seen in the show, but I've seen so many gross things now that it's, it's like hard real, to tell. It is real. Uh, then this is the really <laughs> disturbing part. After that, uh, the Rick and Morty facehugger versions go back to their house and like they have this little heart-to-heart, and they're like Man, I just don't know what I'd do without you. And he's like, I don't know what I'd do without you. And they look at each other. And then they make the the face huggers on Rick and Morty make out with each other. Wow, Rick and Morty voice acted. it. What <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> like what? <laughs> what the what were these writers smoking in this season, dude? I'm
1: telling you, bro, they were like tr- just trying to be. They're trying to like embody the spirit of Rick and Morty writing. They were trying to impress people.
0: I guess, man i I have a pretty strong stomach. I, I'm and I watched the season. I'm just like, holy fuck, man! They are pushing the envelope with the just. Can you imagine if this show came out in the '90s? It would have been rated NC-17 and buried. Uh
1: yeah. In this 2020- would have been too much for prototype adult swim, bro. Dude, in
0: 2020, <laughs> they just put this on the Netflix kids channel and say, like, "Fuck it, we're done." Like, it's crazy how the goalposts have been moved for this type of shit.
1: So, it's the age we live in.
0: But uh yeah, the the episode ends with Rick and Morty back on Earth. And it episodes over and everything's okay. And like, they get stomach aches and you're like, Oh fuck, they're going to shit an egg and die now. <laughs> this is my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> and then it goes all the way through. It goes through <laughs> and they just end up shitting their pants. <laughs> and that's I love a good old shit joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They went full Nadler and, uh, took a dump and uh, I love it too. Cause they're all like, they all think they're about to burst open
1: and die. They just like, bye, man. <laughs> love you kids. <laughs> Best thing ever happened to me. And
0: they shit themselves. And that brings us to episode eight with uh, starts with Rick showing up on some weird industrial planet to do a gem deal. And him explaining to Morty that We're gonna jump in a vat of acid, but it's fake acid, and we're gonna fool these people, and it's gonna be my greatest trick ever.
1: I don't know why I like in the beginning of this episode, but it's like when the when the bones go up in the vat, (laughs) and the guy's just like, "Wow, that's a lot of bones!" Like one of the it's like so detailed too. Like (laughs) I don't know why I laugh so hard. Yeah. So, <laughs> they clearly just throw
0: a rat in there. And a human body just floats up. <laughs> like, wow, I swear it looks like a human yeah. body. Yeah, so so it's basically a vat of water that's food-colored green with snorkels, and they have like a locker of bones to send up to act like they got burnt dissolved in acid, and it's this whole thing. <clears throat> and uh the acid hiding ends up failing and they 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 had a they had an acid skeptic amongst <laughs> them <someone. laughs> an acid <laughs> skeptic <laughs> and then we get a quick cut to Rick and Morty escaping on their ship with Morty basically making fun of Rick, saying like how big of a failure he is for this shit. Which I found to be interesting because of how big of a failure Morty is in general. (laughs) For him to like be opening his mouth felt a little weird. Like, I mean, Rick has a ninety nine percent success rate. You have a one percent success rate.
1: Yeah, honestly, it made me think it was a robot Morty Mm -hmm. because of how proficient he was being. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh shit, this might be robot Morty. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I really like episode eight, but I think this is one of the spots where they kind of made a mistake is they made Morty not like Morty. It it, it just wasn't really him. Rick was perfect, but Morty, especially early on, like you just said, you thought it was robot Morty because it, they weren't riding him like actual Morty.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's weird because like Morty's the one like. He's the one telling Rick to make the devices and shit it's mm-hmm. a weird it's a weird
0: episode yeah yeah so so it ends up being like they're fighting but all the way home, they get to the the garage they're still fighting. And Morty's like, you never do any of my ideas. And then Rick calls the dragon episode that we just talked about. They're like, oh yeah, your idea is to fuck a dragon or whatever. <laughs> and Morty's like, that's not the idea I'm talking about. Okay. I'm talking about the video game device. And he's like, oh yeah, so you can save and go back and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, do you have any idea how much work that'd be, Morty? And Morty's like, yeah, cause you can't do it, can you? And then Rick's like, Fuck you, Morty. I'm going to make it. I'm going to fucking make it, Morty. And uh, so so Rick starts making the device. And he eventually gives it to Morty. And then we get to this second half of the episode that is just Morty playing with this device. Morty basically just constantly doing fucked up shit and then resetting it. (laughs) Uh, You know, he goes to the pool, he goes to the store, he does all this stuff, and he just keeps resetting it until he meets this girlfriend of his that he falls in love with. Then he decides he's never going to use the remote again.
1: I just want to say... That when he tries to do the diving board and gets scared and resets, people laugh at him. He just <laughs> casually clicks the button as he walks away. <laughs> That's the most Morty thing all episode. Was yeah, like, it was. Nothing will change, Morty. You still suck.
0: <laughs> so this comes up to another one of those long dialogue-free sequences that we mentioned earlier on where it's showing Morty and his girlfriend going through life.
1: Yes, like on this, a, is a, this is a loveness episode for sure. <laughs> yeah, on a
0: super cut, basically. <laughs> and then eventually it goes full alive. Have, have you ever seen Alive, Broadcaster Nichols? No. Alive is a true story based on a plane crash that happened where it was up in the mountains. It might have been the Alps or something. And a bunch of people in a plane crash, a bunch of people survive, but they're like so far in the mountains, they'll never get help. And eventually they run out of food and they start eating the dead people. Nice. That's exactly what happens in this episode of Rick and Morty. They literally (laughs) lifted the entire premise of alive for the sequence. And you see Morty thinking about using the reset button when he's about to eat a human being. It's like okay, maybe it's time to hit this reset button because I like my girlfriend and all, but I don't want to eat a human. He no, ends, up eating, girl- he <laughs> ends up eating the human. He ends up eating. That's the darkest
1: turn. Ah! <laughs> I did not see. He's just like he's like he just like looked at her tits. He's like, nah, I ain't losing that.
0: <laughs> he's like she's like Megan Fox, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Morty miraculously survives without using the reset device. You know, they get rescued and everything and it's like happily ever after. And they're just in this casual scene in the living room. Everyone's cool. And then Jerry just happens to reach for the remote. He, he grabs the time save state device and hits the button and resets it, which is one of the most Jerry things in the history of the show as well.
1: Jerry, Jerry, going forward to the next three episodes, or well, two episodes, probably
0: are his best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he
1: continually gets more and more Jerry. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. This this was like the setup piece for that. Uh, so, so after the time reset, Morty goes to Rick and he's like, "Man, you're right. This sucks. You're trying to teach me a lesson, and I get it now, Rick. You know, I get it. This was a bad idea. Here, take it." And then Rick's like, you're right, Morty, but there's one thing you're wrong about. You weren't resetting anything. Every time you jumped, you murdered Morty. You murdered yourself. There are thousands and thousands of mutilated Mortys out there in each of these <laughs> dimensions that you jump from. And it was like a smash cut showing each Morty just being eviscerated by some crazy. I like how Rick went out of his way to make sure each death was unique. Like, it's not like every single one died of the same thing. (laughs) He was getting some anger out. (laughs) It just shows like this scrolling view of different Mortys dying to different causes as he's lecturing Morty on how dumb he is. That was great. That was one of my favorite parts of the entire season when that was going down. (laughs)
1: It's definitely one of the most Rick moments, for sure.
0: And then Morty's like, you're a monster.
1: He's so so dumb. I was murdering multiple versions of you this whole time. So you have a better life. Does that make you feel good?
0: Fucking Morty basically is like, you're a monster. You're a murderer. And then Rick's like, my hands are clean, Morty. That was one of my favorite Rick lines of the season. (laughs) My hands are clean, Morty and then right after he says that the garage just like flings open and there's like a SWAT team outside. <laughs> and, and Rick's like oh no who could have called these cops oh wow is that a vat of acid sitting in the front yard that you could hide it <laughs> oh my god I was rolling so hard at this point this, like this end of this episode was so perfect <laughs>
1: Well, it is for because it starts with fucking Morty getting an ego because he had one good move at the <laughs> beginning. The one good move. He talks shit on his bad ass acid.
0: <laughs> he
1: comes full circle.
0: Oh my god! And so and so he and so Morty gets in and it works. And Rick basically forces him to admit that his idea was correct and that Rick is the, <laughs> the alpha. <laughs> And, and the entire episode ends up just being Rick teaching Morty a lesson for getting uppity. <laughs> it's so basic, yet so primal. But this leads us to episode nine, which is the Jerry episode. So, so, it
1: is really.
0: So it starts out with Jerry in the car, taking his family camping with Rick in the back seat, rolling his eyes. And... Uh, jerry's like don't you dare take over this trip rick this is my trip and then rick's just like you know what you're right i'm just gonna check out of this one and he hits a button and like the ro- the car just like goes transformer mode and like sends him to the front seat puts jerry in a box in the cargo in the back trunk <laughs> and then they just fly off the planet to some random planet and you get there and you find out that rick had sex with the planet like literally he fucked a planet and impregnated it. And they and when they get there, the planet is just spewing out of this giant fucking hole. This, fuck this hole This, this giant <laughs> fuck hole. It's just spewing all these golem ricks. It's so gross. It, it it it's like not visually gross, but like the way your brain processes it makes it gross. You're just like looking at this. You're like, this is wrong. I don't want to (laughs) look at this. (laughs) But uh, they realize the Ricks are the Golem Ricks are fucked up. They're like retarded. So (laughs) Rick (laughs) Rick and Beth are like, oh, let's do a buddy team up. And let's like engineer these Golem Ricks to make them a good society. And, and so they go inside of like this machine layer of the planet. This is this is one of the parts where I was a little confused by. It's like it's this planet, but then there's like this factory inside of it, like it's a machine, and it, <laughs> it, it it's processing these children like it's an assembly line. <laughs> Very weird. <laughs> but what they end up doing is they end up dividing them. Like, oh, you're gonna be a lawyer, and you're gonna be a cop, and you're gonna be a a realtor and, you know, like they had like these little <laughs> and <packs>. the choir <laughs> and eventually like, well, there's, there's a small subsect of them that are just worthless. You know, they're not productive.
1: The undesired. <laughs> the
0: undesired <ones. laughs> like, well, uh, let's just send them down into the sewer. And, this, and so, so they send these ones down in the sewer and this begins the B plot. So Jerry is still trying to camp on the alien planet with his kids And his kids just savage him. This scene made me feel uncomfortable to watch. Just because, like, watching his kids talk shit to him, the way they do in this scene is just like, ooh, God. I hope that's not me someday. Jesus fucking Christ.
1: Jerry's a special kind of suck.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it, it was bad. And, like, they... You know, Morty was cutting but the way they made Summer talk to him was like, oh, God, like, Jesus Christ. How could you say that to your dad? And he gets pissed, and he just bounces, right? And he finds the undesirable Rick Golems at the bottom of the sewer, and he becomes their fucking leader.
1: Which is, like, the best part of the show.
0: Yes. Him interacting with the retarded Golem Ricks was fucking hilarious like them just making these shitty structures and him being like hey you can make the structure better by doing this what is (laughs) this
1: this well i gave it a door so you can get out of the rain no no this isn't camping if it has a door then you don't want to go outdoors anymore well what about them those are bad people (laughs) So I love it.
0: Yeah. Uh, after this Rick and or after this Morty and summer find some crashed alien spaceship and start huffing space drugs. This part was a little weird. Another
1: right? weird turn. Yeah. Just out of nowhere. Summer's just like this deviant stoner <laughs> just mm-hmm. sucking on alien fumes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it and it reminded me a lot of the medical facility and idiocracy. Remember an idiocracy where Luke Wilson gets to the hospital and they're like, Okay, attach this one to your mouth, attach this one to your ear, attach this one to your butt, and then he does it. And then like all like the tentacles like get mixed around and they're like, okay, now put this one in your butt, put this one in your mouth. <laughs> That's totally what that spaceship reminded me of where they were sucking gas out of these tentacles in the spaceship.
1: What what did she say when she takes the like the initial hit? She's like because they were like, I think this is alien consciousness or something like that. And she takes the fabric and she's just like I think we're good, dude.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and uh, from here, we cue back to Rick and Beth, and a sentient god cloud shows up to claim ownership of the Golem Ricks. Apparently they're his kids. And this leads to a galactic space battle between Rick and (laughs) Zeus, I guess?
1: This is the weirdest part of this the episode.
0: Oh, this might be the weirdest part of the entire season. This was a really weird scene. It's, like, them in space, and, like, they draw this weird bubble around Rick to, like, say he has, like, some sort of bubble shield that protects him as a human in space, but it's, like, A, this is Rick and Morty. Do you really need to do that? Like, this is fucking nonsense. Why do you need to, like oh, he has to have something that's keeping him alive in space. That, well, like, I mean, it's
1: it's Rick. He's a mad genius. Why not?
0: Yeah, I guess. But it, the, the whole fight was just ridiculous, and then it ends up that Rick can't beat him by himself, and he has to use his stoner grandchildren to fly an alien plane through the god's skull in space.
1: Yep. Really far out there
0: god damn what a weird this is a weird fucking episode one of the weirdest in the entire season so they kill the sentient cloud they kill the sentient cloud
1: he's <laughs> the real daddy
0: <laughs> and uh, every everything's like Okay, and then like they go back down to the planet, and Beth's like, Jerry, don't be a bitch. And Jerry's like, well, I want to be a bitch. And then, like, it was
1: some more... what was the cloud's name? Oh
0: god, I don't even know. <laughs> Reggie, <laughs> wasn't it?
1: Reggie, yeah, it was Reggie. It was some, it was some flaky dude's name, you know, someone you think that would desert somebody,
0: yeah. I'm not I'm not sure. I don't remember the name, but if it had a name, I don't know.
1: I'm I'm pretty sure it's Reggie.
0: Reggie does sound familiar, it might be Reggie. <laughs> but uh uh so okay, so Beth falls into a crater and then Jerry ends up saving her and Beth's like, Oh, I love you again, Jerry, and uh Gaia, the the planet basically tells them to get the fuck out and they do and they go back to the car and then Jerry, still in his like indigenous makeup in the back seats like you know what kids you were right I am a bitch and I just wanted to make you go camping cause I'm a bitch and <laughs> <laughs> and-, <laughs> and then fucking Rick's just like uh, by the way, your kids were huffing space drugs and they murdered a god <laughs> or something like that, and that was the end of the episode.
1: That <laughs> was one of my favorite episodes. To be honest, it, was, it probably was my favorite. I'm not quite I like, sure yet.
0: I like the I like the end of that episode a lot. Like the way that Rick just likes, like just drops that and then it just cuts. That was pretty good. But yeah, that was overall. That's a pretty good episode, I would say. And that uh, leads us into the final episode, Episode 10, where we find out that Beth is a clone, and the real Beth is in space, and she's a mercenary.
1: This is actually an episode for them Rick and Morty lore nerds, because we all know that this was teased in a previous episode.
0: Perhaps, but uh, basically we see space Beth realize she has a bomb in her head and she goes to Rick's house and greets him in the garage and says, why'd you put a bomb in my head, dad? Then they toss Pokemon at each other. That was interesting.
1: That was really weird.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They actually used the real Pokeball too. I was like, what? (laughs) How did this happen? It was slightly different.
1: (laughs) They're not getting sued.
0: But uh, the B story of this is Summer and Morty fighting over an invisibility belt, which is some more weird, yeah. like, incest-adjacent shit in this B story where I'm just kind of like, okay. Yeah.
1: It was kind of weird. But uh, but then again, the, the, the shower
0: scene was pretty funny.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: There, there's some good laughs in episode 10, but the uh, space ants come and they follow space beth to earth and they invade then they abduct her to a death star really weird even rick even before you even know it's a death star he's like oh god you're gonna make me do a star wars aren't you you're gonna make me do a star wars and it cuts and and they go to the talking about the nxc8 wrangler edition
1: (laughs) i personally was a fan
0: yeah and so the space ants abduct both the best and put them in a jail cell together. And they both realize that, that they don't really know who the clone is and isn't. And they're fighting about who the real clone is. And eventually in trying to rescue them, they encounter or Rick encounters Birdman or bird person resurrected as a God.
1: <laughs> it's PP Phoenix. Birds.
0: <laughs> P-P. Yes. PP. And, uh, so we get, we get our PP boss fight and, uh, It's kind of interesting, I guess, but overall a little weird. Weird ending to the season. And uh, it goes back to the Beths like kind of broing out and they're like, well, I don't really care if I'm the real Beth. You're just as real to me as I am to you, right? And they're like, yeah. And they're like, oh, who cares about the real Beths? (laughs) And then Rick's like, well, wait a second. I know who the real Beth is. I have it stored in this memory engram, which was really weird. Like, Rick is not the type of person to take a memory way and hide it on a fucking crystal.
1: But he, Oh yeah, he is. There's a whole episode dedicated to it.
0: <laughs> about his daughters, who the clone is and isn't, though?
1: Yeah, he hasn't. He, dude, he's fucked up.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was weird, but what ends up happening is that neither of the best want to know the truth, which you're just like, as the viewer, you're looking at them like, fuck you, shut up, yes, you do. And they're like, nope. no, we don't. And then no one wanted to know. And some are Morty. It's kind of sad. Then the grandchildren are like, nah, I don't care. <laughs> I got two badass moms, so don't fuck this up. <laughs> and then and then we're we're gonna circle back to the weirdness. Of the introspective Rick with the sad song and the weird dramatic ending. He looks yeah. at Ingram himself. Second
1: time they did this.
0: <laughs> they start playing sad music. He starts to see himself cloning Beth and then he purposely turns away and then spins them around so he never knows which Beth is the real Beth or not. So even in this memory crystal Ingram, he doesn't know. No, it's like there's really no way to ever know. That's like the point of it. And then it just ends with him sitting in a chair with sad music and it fades out. And that's the end of season four of Rick and Morty. And is there more of a perfect ending to so such a weird season that you just don't quite understand, like, what was happening?
1: Yeah. I'd say Rick just wants the writers to change. I could agree with him. <laughs> He wants his, he wants his family back. He wants Harmon and, and, uh, uh, rolling back.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So
1: it's, a, it's a, I, they just leaned on so many tropes and the fact that they ended the, the final episode with like the same way season three ended was just kind of weird.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. It was a bizarre ending to a bizarre season and the fact that we know for sure there's going to be like six more seasons makes it even weirder because it's like, where do you go from here? I'm a little worried.
1: Oh, I know exactly. couple kill offs, some diversity hires, a <sighs> couple spinoffs, you know, it's coming.
0: Yeah, it probably is. I don't know, man. Dan Harmon is such a fucking rabid SJW, but I don't think he really has power on the show. I think it's really Justin Roiland's show at this point. I'm not sure where Justin Roiland falls in this type of arena, but based off of the, the writing staff that he hired for season four, I'm assuming he's the showrunner. It's his show. If not him, who, uh, I'd say that's a pretty clear indication of where we're going. So
1: yeah, I don't know. I just got the like the same feeling you get when you watch the first three seasons of Family Guy. You know, <laughs> you just like you watch those, and then you go in, and you are like, oh, something changed. Mm-hmm. But it's still funny. But then every season progressively loses its soul. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's <laughs> probably a very apt comparison because, goddamn, we're the first couple seasons of Family Guy so much different than it. what came after. It's sort of amazing how quickly that show transformed. Hopefully that doesn't happen to Rick and Morty, but we'll see. Uh, that being said, broadcaster Nichols, what is your favorite episode of season four?
1: I'm going to have to go with, hmm, I think it's between eight and eight and nine. I'm mm-hmm. going to go with nine. I think, I, What was, I think what's it called? Childrick of Mort. <laughs> it it
0: child, yeah, it's like Childrick of Mort. <laughs> yeah, Childrick of Mort. <laughs> yeah, episode 9 was was very solid. Uh, it would be probably my like my top 3, but my favorite is episode 8, the vat of acid episode. Yeah, it's a strong I, one. <laughs> it, it was strong all around beginning to end. It had the ending, it had everything. And uh Man, I cannot understate how fucking satisfying it was to watch that garage door open, see the SWAT team out there, see the vat of acid, and look at the face Rick makes towards Morty and says, oh, look at that. Looks like you have a perfect escape route. There's a vat of acid for you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why, but that part just fucking, it hit for me. And it is definitely the most enjoyable moment of season 4 as far as i'm concerned. For sure. But uh that being said, least favorite episode of season 4.
1: Oof. That one is probably going to be i think probably number 2, the one with mm. the dating app, the mm-hmm. love finders or whatever. It was pretty i mean compared to everything it was pretty i mean it's it's a good episode. I like the, the plot with Rick in the toilet. But overall, it's kind of just like a weird episode, especially when it, how it ends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I don't really know what the meaning of this episode is. <laughs> making fun of this guy <laughs> for using <laughs> your toilet the whole time. And then you just made fun of yourself in the end for <laughs> getting rid
0: of him. Yeah. That episode is what raised the first red flag in my head that, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore. The end of that episode with him just sitting on that toilet, like crying, basically with was like fading out as like all the hologram Ricks were making fun of him was really weird. Like it was just a really weird way to end an episode. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that I I agree with you that is one of the weaker episodes, but I think there is a weaker episode, and I think it is the episode that comes right after (laughs) one crew over the cuckoo's Morty. This is the heist episode. This episode put me to sleep twice. I actually fell asleep watching this episode twice, and it wasn't until the third time that I watched during the middle of the day that I could actually finish oh, it. Oh, yeah, this is the Netflix deal episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it it was so dumb. It's like, okay, Ocean's Eleven, heist scene, we get the crew together, we're competing to steal something. It's just like, oh, Lottie fucking die. It was so fucking dumb. I did like High Spot, though. I, he was like the bright spot of the episode for me. But uh, overall, I think episode three was the weakest episode in season four. That being said, Broadcaster Nichols, we have a segment here on the Crack Seller podcast called The Hit, The Miss, and The Whiff. You
1: know what I just realized? That episode, episode three is, I think, the only episode that Jerry doesn't even in.
0: I think there's a few characters not in it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Hmm. I don't know if Beth's in it. I don't know if Summer's in it. Are they? I want to say I remember them at least background. <laughs> I, I, I
1: was trying to think. I was like, "What was Jerry doing that episode?" But then I was like, "Jerry literally was not in that episode."
0: Yeah, it was one of the few episodes where I don't think it had a B plot. I think yeah. it just had one plot. Most of the episodes had two plots, but that one I think only had one. Either that or the B plot was so boring that I blocked it out mentally, which is possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that being said, Broadcaster Nichols, what is your hit?
1: I would have to say Jerry. Jerry stepping <laughs> it up. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry really shined this season.
0: <laughs> yeah. And. In- I really like the voice actor for Jerry, Chris Parnell. He's an, yeah. he's an archer too. He's really good in everything. Like he's just a great voice actor.
1: I just love his reactions when he gets shit on and stuff. He just is, he has the perfect voice reactions.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, my hit are those extended dialogue free scenes that we mentioned throughout various episodes in the season. So the two that come to mind are the the one from the first episode and the one from the snake planet episode yeah and then there's also the one from the was it the vat of acid episode there's a few of them but either way i liked i liked the the gumption it took to do those because cartoons typically don't want dead air. They don't want scenes with no one talking. It's just something that doesn't happen in cartoons very often. They just don't want to do it. It's like a faux pas in the genre. And for them to like blatantly go through like the one with the snake was the one that I like the most because, like, you, you just see, like, Morty buying this fucking rabid snake from a <laughs> earth shop, putting it in a spacesuit and dropping it on some snake planet, and you just watch what unfolds in slow motion over the course of weeks, and it's just, it's fucking hilarious. You don't need any words for it, because it's snakes, it's perfect, like, they're fucking snakes, so they don't talk. It was genius. There's some other ones with humans that I liked as well, but the the one with the snakes really stood out to me. It's like, yes, this is why you did this. This was a bold move, and I think it worked out perfectly. And I I really, in season four, there's not a lot that stands out compared to seasons one through three. Most of it is inferior to seasons one through three. I think this is one of the few spots where I think they improved on something. They did something new that I liked. (laughs) Indeed. That being said, broadcaster Nichols, what is your miss? The
1: miss, the miss, the miss, the miss. I think the miss is probably going to be the, just the overall continuity of the story. Hmm. They didn't really uh, continue anything that any, that you would like, if you've been watching Rick and Morty for a long time, they still haven't like really shown you what, like, uh robot morty's doing, you know, stuff like that. It's just like, dude, come on. <laughs> that was a whole season we didn't get it once.
0: <laughs> yeah. And also, we've been seeing Cthulhu flying at them at the end of the intro for 3 se- 4 seasons now and we still don't have a Cthulhu episode. <laughs> yeah. That shit pisses me off every time I see that <laughs> intro. I'm like, where the fuck's Cthulhu at, bitch? Yeah, and then just a
1: This seems like they're like this season really just was going to is just showing you that they don't really give a fuck about tying up loose ends at all. They're just going to continually throw outlandish things out there and never really tie them up.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that basically what happened here is that they confirmed that there will be no loose ends being tied up because we're just going to go ahead and have new riders. Yeah.
1: That don't get the, the perfect example of that,
0: yeah. And uh, on that note, my miss is the writing staff, and I think my miss is the same as your miss, we're just kind of verbalizing it differently. <laughs> you talked about story continuity, yeah. I'm kind of talking about that too, but I'm calling out specifically the writing staff. This writing staff came on, I don't know if like they're fan fiction writers that like uh Justin Roiland got on the cheap or what but there is a very amateurish vein in this season that you just don't feel like professional people are writing the show anymore. There are some bizarre writing choices that verge into incest, cannibalism, pedophilia. It, It just, it's, it's shock value. They just went for shock and awe. And it's like, this is Rick and Morty. We're, we're used to shock and awe your answer should be nuanced it shouldn't be let's just multiply the shock and awe times five (laughs) thousand. it's it's lazy and i think that this writing staff sucked and the best thing that could happen for season five of rick and morty is to do another reset of the writing staff and get better people or get the old people i don't know whatever whatever works
1: Get more coke for Harmon. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that does remind me of one line from the season that I really liked. That I forgot about where Rick was like, I don't know if I'm taking too much Adderall or not enough Adderall. <laughs> I think it was in the face hugger episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rick was on point in the season. That is the one thing that you can come away with is Rick was still Rick. They didn't fuck him up too much. That being said, broadcaster Nichols, what is your whiff?
1: The whiff. The whiff, the whiff, the whiff. I
0: don't
1: know. It's a hard one. I would say the, I'd say the whiff pretty much is them just crutching on movie ideas for all Mm. the episodes, you know? Yeah. There's a gimmick in every episode. I mean, some of them are funny, but some of them are just like, why'd you do that? (laughs) but if i'm really if i'm actually being super critical about it i think it's honestly the nazi theme <laughs> the reoccurring nazi theme in some of the episodes is just like i don't know what you're trying to do but it didn't hit with me <laughs> yeah it was yeah i just don't like when i don't like when things like even if they're not trying to make a statement it's like now you just left room on the table for people to Make a side for you,
0: <laughs> yeah, well, part of the problem is that in the year twenty twenty Nazis are used as a prop to demonize normal people that aren't Nazis, so it sort of it rubs people the wrong way, and it's sort of also disingenuous because like when um uh, when Rick called Morty fascist Morty. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking, what a loaded term that is now, when you call someone fascist. Because according to some people, 60% of the population of the United States of America is fascist. Which is patently bullshit. Sounds like
1: they're on the losing side, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But that is a definition that exists, and it exists within the Hollywood liberal circles, which... Justin Royland and Dan Harmon are very much entwined so you kind of you get a weird feeling when you hear this it's like okay are you saying that he's really a fascist are you saying that I'm a fascist because I don't agree with your politics it this is why it sucks that we know the politics of the creators of all these shows and all these actors we I think that we really need to go back to the days where we didn't know shit about actors and directors and writers. We don't They're
1: mysterious like Keanu Reeves. Yes.
0: Exactly, <laughs> dude. These guys could learn a lot from the Keanu Reeves arm hover. Okay, that's how it's you true. should treat. That's how you should treat life, my friends.
1: And not the Sam Neil grip. <laughs> don't do the Sam Neil grip. <laughs> do the Keanu Reeves hover. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, Broadcaster Nichols, as you know, here on the Crack Seller Podcast, we use the official patented Joker rating system. On that system, what do you rate season four of Rick and Morty?
1: All right, so before I say it, I want you to cut in right here, right before I say my <laughs> rank, The the that super cool victory horn, the... <laughs> I'm going to say... Heath Ledger, a C.
0: <laughs> oh, Heath Ledger's a B, but I, I get your intent. Oh yeah, it is a B. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're on the exact same page on this one. I'm also gonna give it a Heath, right? Like a straight down the middle Heath, too. Not a weak or a strong Heath. Just it's just a straight down the middle Heath. It is. is that like it, a golf term? It it could be and it should be, but uh, this is a good season. It's just not good compared to its past self, but if you were to separate it and just put it as its own standalone cartoon, it's pretty good. It's entertaining. The good outweighs the bad for sure, but it is still a shadow of its former self. That is impossible to deny yeah,
1: it's the most—it's the most pronounced feeling in the season. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it really is. And on that note, we will close out. Sam Neal is not my father. These tubes are cool, and I want a divorce. The results are in. <laughs>